0: Hey, everyone. I just wanted to let you know before today's episode that I had some technical difficulties on my end of the audio. So you will hear some snaps, some crackles, some pops. I apologize for that. I hope you can still enjoy the episode. Let's do it. everybody all you polar bears out there welcome back any newcomers alike welcome join the club join the kingdom the polar kingdom it's it's icy it's cold but it's it's fun out there you know it's a little it's you you take some long car drives to get there occasionally um make sure you bring your chains you'll be fine uh once you get there we'll we'll have a whole feast set up for you we might be a little forgetful. Time is not a constant. It's it's somewhat of a flat circle, as as um as a McConaughey might might say. But you're you're welcome to join the Polar Kingdom. Welcome everyone. This is a podcast. If you Yeah, it us. is. If you didn't know that already, mm-hmm. then what are you doing? You're gonna have a hard time with this movie, because this movie is hard to follow. But we hope that this podcast will be a nice sultry guide to this uh, somewhat batshit movie. Um, My name is James. This is a podcast about polarizing movies, movies that audiences and critics disagree on. According to Rotten Tomatoes, sometimes the audience loves it. Sometimes the critics hate it. Vice versa. Either way, if there's polarization occurring, then we swoop in and we discuss. We figure it out. Uh, we do our best out here. I keep on referring to we. Who's this we, you may ask? There are two kings in this kingdom. Wow. 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 Let's let's uh let's bring him out. Is he ready? Is he ready? Yeah, I'm running. Is yeah, I'll oh, bring oh, okay. it out. all right, all right, he's ready. Okay, here we go. I'd like to welcome you to
1: the great Brandini show. Yeah. He's
0: here. It he's here right first. now. He's, he's here to talk about. Uh, hell yeah. Things. Brandini. This is an 82% certified fresh critic. Yeah.
1: Critically mm-hmm, word, of on
0: Rotten Tomatoes and a 49% yeah. audience score on said Rotten Tomatoes. Uh yeah. Mhm. Welcome to the Brandina show everyone everyone. <laughs>
2: uh, how how are you doing? Hell how yeah. are you doing
0: out there? My
1: friend, my my uh, uh, trusty co-host. Uh, I am a... You son of a bitch, you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> um I am contemplating life quite heavily after <laughs> yeah. watching this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel. I feel very weird. I feel very. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's uh it's hard not to slip into what the ethos of this movie is because it just, yeah, it really makes you questions things and I'm questioning things as uh, currently. So that's uh that's how I feel. I feel very. Um, yeah. I don't this movie know. Had an um, effect weird, weird. Yeah, no, it definitely did really did, because, uh, yeah, I, it, once I was able to get past everybody not really talking in a normal way, which is very off-putting, mm. I, um, yeah, I don't know, the things that it did talk about was really intense and really uh, dark, um, yes. only in the sense of life is... Uh, can be viewed as uh, meaningless because it just has a beginning and an end, whether you like it or not. Mm. And some of that stuff really, yeah, I don't know, hit me and it made me think about um, my life, my relationship with my you know friends, family, and all of that. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, outside of that feeling good, but <laughs> yeah, weird, weird, nonetheless. How about you? How are you feeling about this movie? You know, uh, well, about life in general,
0: I think it had an effect on, on me as well. And, uh, it's, oh, oh man, it's so, it's so existential with everything that it, that it's putting out. This was my second viewing of it. So I was aware of the broader scope of the messages that it was trying to send off the bat and wasn't disillusioned as much at the beginning as, as it's intended, I think of like, what the fuck is going on? Still, still plenty of that. But like I was prepared at least of what was going to happen. Um, And so I thought it was at least somewhat satisfying knowing from the beginning what it was, what kind of messages it was sending me because many of those, Mm -hmm. and I'll probably use this term a couple of times it were many of the messages were obtuse purposely. So and yeah it was interesting how roundabout of a way our good friend charlie kaufman went about with a, i wish i mean i say good friend i'm just i'm trying to trying to get him on
1: my side here because i think yeah. he's a cool guy uh he uh is he a cool guy i mean he's he to me he seems like really quite yes but such a pill to hang out with because oh, so much possibly, like sure you know because I all no of idea. the <laughs> like all of the char- the characters in this are so much his voice and they're just being you know parroted out of these people and you know it's it's hard yeah and none of these characters really felt like they were it had a whole lot of autonomy outside of like Charlie Kaufman wanting to say the things that he mm. wanted to say, because everybody speaks in platitudes or speaks in a way where everything has like this weird, you know, um, disjointed, uh, like from the top, just your id, ego, all very. I was going to uh, say it, subconscious it, it as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's huge, huge on that because I mean,
0: that's essentially what it, the, the scope of it is. Uh, Mm -hmm. right. And I, you know, I, I, we don't have to delve super into the, I don't even want to call it a twist, but the reveal at, at the end. But I think letting that, setting that out on the table, I think will help foster better discussion of this movie. I think so too. Yeah. At a certain point. So, I mean, okay, we'll we'll just, we'll just, uh, throw it out there, I guess. All of the characters, in the movie this is very early on but i think it's just wait
1: uh, before we get into that though i really want to know just okay. like uh, you, just that. your experience with uh charlie kaufman yeah. and, and oh, overall no no you no need to apologize because like once we unpack that then it's going to set us off on a path the train that. Uh, uh, leave, the leave the station, leave the station yes. for sure there's no no coming
0: back from history because- with charlie kaufman you say is that is that uh-huh you know, yeah i mean that. do you- i mean Yeah, Yeah, somebody that I, as I've already kind of said, is like a very fascinating person to me and Mm -hmm. to someone who is trying to uh, seek out alternate forms of entertainment, uh, whether it be like music or, or movies Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And uh, trying to find, I use, I use alternate, just like find, finding different voices out there at like eternal, I guess that was a, no, that was Spike spike jones and michelle gondry i was going to say eternal sunshine he didn't have he was that was it was more a sin in the to to dota Chody, new york and then that's where he starts taking the directorial, directorial reins but i mean but he's been a writer for a long time he's been a writer adaptation for adaptation being john Ma- malkovich you know these are these are movies that just like you don't you're not going to throw on maybe all the time but going through them it's an experience to just watch them and you feel like you're having almost an out-of-body experience just watching some of his movies, mm-hmm. because they are able to weave in a meta sort of quality as well as as surreal um, also with, you know, you know he's just very th- he has a lot of like throwaway lines with people saying things that are either very like verbose or like intellectual and they're just kind very. of like, almost like thrown away or they're spoken very quickly. And there's a lot of like and mm-hmm. you know, sort of kind of dialogue in this one, almost to be honest, where it's very like back and forth and,
1: you know, and it's everybody's very, it's very, very intelligent, well-read. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very him and very you know?
0: specific. Like there's very weird, very. strangely like specific things about his work. And one thing that they say about, uh, I guess Ames, they call her one point at, uh, Lucy, you know, she has a bunch of names, here. protagonists. I I don't know. She's a poet. Young woman is
1: what she's credited as. Oh,
0: really? I didn't see that. But she says Mm -hmm. she's a poet and she says something to the effect of the, an effective poet within the world of poetry is honing in on universality in the specific. So like stating a specific thing. And finding the universal <laughs> and the, hoping that the audience who whoever reads it finds the universal universality of that. And I was like, that is Car- Charlie Kaufman's like whole and, shtick, man. Like that, whole stick. He, yeah. He's finding he like knows the core story he wants to tell, which this is based on the book. And he finds mm-hmm. the most roundabout way to kind of get there. And some of the criticisms of, of this movie, and little that I know of the book, seem to be. Just like, why did you have to make it so different, or why did you have to take these different different directions? And that is his process is to do that. And then characters like Jesse Plemons in this, uh, and Jake in this story, or Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Sin and a Diet of Chody, New York, uh, you know, are just hyper obsessed with expressing with the adaptation too oh absolutely absolutely sure and and finding that that crossover Mm. between real real like what's real and what's fantasy and what's going on in someone's head versus what's actually happening Mm -hmm. and a lot of yeah like the id and the ego of of the main characters and having those lines blur there's plenty of like blurred lines within the fabrics of reality or in fantasy i think and not only this movie and but other ones too um
1: yeah he doesn't but, write yeah. a dialogue where people are just talking about normal things every line of dialogue in in all of his movies really are it is it, it's something that he's working through or it's a concept Yeah, idea, whatever you want to call it, and it is being said in a way that, yeah, like elicits you to think about, oh, wow, okay, how do you know the connection that he generates in his writing and in his movies is really fascinating because the on face value would be really difficult to. It's a hard pill to swallow because there's it could be either super specific or they're it's not. There's no, there lacks weirdly in my mind, subtext. Like he just, he says things directly about how he's feeling or he will specifically talk about a concept, whether it be like metaphysical or psychological, whatever, like, and he'll just, those characters will have a conversation about that. It's not like they're having a conversation about their work or their relationships necessarily. They're just going to specifically talk about this character read a book, mm. knows an author, what have you. And they're talking about the prose of that author because those are the things that Charlie Kaufman finds really interesting and resonates with. Mm. And it's just it's so fascinating to me that he has had a career that he's had because it obviously there's a intellectual, yeah. like, you know, uh, yeah, there are people, you know, the intellectual crowd that consumes movies love what he's about because he doesn't, He's not writing movies that are pandering or uh, too simple and straightforward. They just challenge you Mm -hmm. in almost every single thing somebody says, Mm -hmm. where it really in this movie, in my mind, is exhausting. Because no one is really having like too much of a normal conversation. Everybody is having what they're saying has a reference or is commenting on a greater idea. And it's all conversation.
0: Yeah. This movie is all conversation. Is all
1: conversation. Mm-hmm. All in, con- in, you know, Two hours talking. of it too. Yeah. My God.
0: And we're here to talk about polarizing movies. And I all of his movies, maybe if they're not, not reflected in the score, I would imagine – just talking to people who had, who has, who have seen them would find them polarizing or, or there are of people out there who would not like his movies. And this not, is a situation I, I might repeat again later is that I, yeah, I don't, I completely understand why someone would not like his movies. If someone were to tell me, too, it's, it's right, like, totally. it's not my thing, and I would not blame them for it. Ew. And I would and absolutely, I don't want to be that kind of guy, anyways, and be gay key. people like, oh, well, you should enjoy these sort of things. It's like high art, but, it, but it's like they are purposely obtuse, said that one already, yeah. but like they're purposely polarizing as well. And he's not trying to please everyone, and he's trying to like, if there's a statement to be to be made he's taking the long way around to to do it otherwise he is an artist in almost like i'll take a little dash of david lynch or something maybe a little dash of like fucking aronofsky i don't know i i sound i some and
1: sorkin and like yeah, yeah, like yeah a lot of like what you would consider intellectuals like people who because fundamentally and i agree like if somebody weren't to like this i totally fucking get it because like if you're going into a movie to like want to have more of the stereotypical movie things of like yeah i don't know like seeing maybe somebody try like triumph over something or uh yeah like a it'd be grounded and then you can ups- ups- um you can like ha- put your own meaning into it like this just gives you so much meaning and then it's like it's the next level it's the 4d chess of it all of Mm -hmm. like i'm not going to just you know we're not going to have characters in normal situations these characters are going to be in weird situations and then they're going to deal with that and then you're going to see their interior and so much of their interior and what's going on and then you have to start and then it just yeah really can get Mm -hmm. your wheels turning on like Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, I'm down yeah. for
0: all of that kind of stuff, and it is kind of like that. And it's it's represented within the dialogue and the themes of the movie. It's like a snow globe, and you're kind of looking at at it from different angles, and then it, the whole picture kind of becomes clear rather than a straight line sort of thing. And and you're kind of taking the ride, and and everything becomes clear by the end. It's it's a little bit more just kind of yeah, and uh, going on that journey. If someone were to tell me that this is not entertaining to go on and that'll be my criticism as well. It's like, I, like, I do like this movie and just to put that out there as well, but there are plenty of things that are not entertaining about it.
1: Absolutely like not. If you're trying it to like chill such out a tough movie, it's like, to swallow. Yeah,
0: it's like, this is not a movie to like
1: chill out chill out and like
0: oh man it's been a long Uh, day let's let's unwind it's it's like right and this was that's why it was kind of satisfying for me to for someone who'd already seen it and was like okay i it's it's registered that was weird and then to revisit it with that prior knowledge and like yeah i was doing it for a podcast i was taking some notes and it warrants that kind of like uh behavior within a movie and i I think that's what i've found out doing this podcast is i it has forced me and challenged me to be more attentive towards movies and i put the subtitles on and i pause it when i want to think about something or i want to make a note or ask a question to myself and kind of kind of think about it and i in a way have kind of sympathized a little bit more with the critics experience towards something of like I have to come up with a coalesced uh, to the best of my way, like of doing it sort of thought about this and express it. I know that coming on this podcast and I'm going to have to express a thought about it mm-hmm. and watching this, this movie. And I and remember thinking the first time I'm like, man, am I even like smart enough to like talk about this? Cause there's certain things, but then but totally but Then like, right. this, what this one does is, to its benefit and discredit, honestly, is those things are so hyper specific and overindulgent, those conversations in the car and how specific they get about certain things. It's like, I understand this is coming from a person who's like holed up in their own mind and has a very specific set of like interests and that has alienated them from the world because they hold those things so dear to their hearts and everything and they have to express that in, in their way. And that gets it across because it is so obscure. The the references of like old film critics being one of them, mm-hmm. or like uh, David Foster Wallace's short stories and, and stuff like that, which I read. That's awesome. oh, I, I want to. I'm going to ask you about that as well. Yeah. But it's like that that kind of stuff. It alludes to certain things, which is great, and I think it, that's great that it alludes to those things. But it really takes its time to talk about those things too. Yes, which uh-huh. if you're not I don't know if you're not into this movie and you're not interested in the characters. Those things could just last a fucking lifetime of like, what the fuck is happening? Why is she pulled out a Absolutely. cigarette and talking differently? Like, wh- who is this David Foster? Maybe you, haven't, you don't even know who David Foster Wallace is, or something. Like, who who are they talking talking about? Like, I I don't know. And then that yeah. has its benefit of like, oh, this is a character who is a know-it-all, whatever that is, like holding that likes to hold over people's heads of like this knowledge that he has, kind of like a. Oh, what's that book of fucking, uh, the, uh, damn it. Oh, you, I think you read it. You read it too. Um, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It's like this, this, uh, know it all kind of elite scholarly kind of guy who failed college and lives with his mom. Uh, ah, oh, it's this book. I, I forget. I'm so sorry. I'll, 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 maybe I'll remember the name.
1: Um, but there's just oh oh yeah 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 uh Confederacy of Dunces that's
0: it thank you oh
1: my god I was gonna lose my mind um, yeah Confederacy of that Dunces kind of energy sure.
0: was like this is who the Jesse Plemons character kind of is and that mm-hmm. and that stuff is, oh totally is yeah uh, is interesting and in, and in everything but hearing him drone on about it it has its intended effect but it also. Has the same effect that it has on our protagonist of like boring the audience uh-huh. and making them disinterested, making yeah. and and like, oh, I mean, you like not like
1: you. Right, you're you're just so at odds with the main character where you're like this guy kind of sucks, yeah. like you know. And we can get into situations with him in the movie how he liked you know yeah. times where he mm-hmm. treats his girlfriend, how he treats his mother, how he just you know. But then yeah, it's so fascinating. But yeah, like. Um, it, 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 you know, Charlie Kaufman falls into that just like all of the people you've talked about in reference. And and you, do you have a his- j- history with him as well? Or, and, and I don't really have too much of a history with him. I saw a, a Schenectady, Schenectady, New York, or however you say it, Sennanida Dotachoti, Sennanida to um, because Chody, um, of uh, yeah, living with Adam, um, and watching that yeah. and just being like, because. <sighs> It's so funny that that movie was. Oh, we need to have that that Adam guy on this podcast. Speaking of which, but continue. we do we continue. But like, it's funny to think about why that movie was popular for us because it was so popular because we are college students and high art and intellectualism was such a thing to like hang your hat on as like oh I'm thinking about the world in such a different way and I'm not I'm not leaning into the pitfalls of commercialism of normal life where it's like somebody who just watches Marvel movies or whatever like uh, you know and getting just wrapped up in reality television you know you just go oh I'm an, you know and being an asshole really and that's something that you could really kind of say about Charlie Kaufman stuff as well of like he's such an asshole especially like after watching adaptation the other day like the Nicolas Cage Charlie Kaufman character is such an a-hole because he's and just like Jesse Plemons comes off as is that the one yeah one
0: one part of the twins the other one's kind of a sweetheart right
1: right but that's all that's the The thing too is that Charlie Kaufman is so uh, like aware of him being an asshole when he is overly intellectual, or, you know, doesn't, and also to his Insecurities cause him to be an asshole, like in adaptation and in this, where he'll be standoffish from people because he doesn't know how to be a a quote unquote normal person in an interaction because he's overthinking things, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that comes off as like, why isn't that person being more engaged with this? Or why doesn't he want to go meet that person and all of those things? Because he's so in his own head about how things will go and whatever that it just, he ends up coming off like an asshole. And but a lot of his characters, yeah, are like super intellectual or like very super intellectual, like crazy
0: geniuses or, or something like mm-hmm. that. Or, or so OCD about a certain, yeah, specific
1: thing. And that comes up often in like literal text, like in this movie where there's discussion about how smart Jesse Plemons character is. And that being a thing diligent. of like, oh, He's very diligent. He ends. Right. But he's got the pain he, wa- he wants to be smart and he enjoys when his mother calls him smart yeah that's a big but deal. what he ends up being is just diligent because again like something we'll get into deeper in the themes of this movie is is like his insecurities are always on display and i think that's something just to like kind of speak more generally about charlie kaufman is that i do find redeeming because man it's such a hard fucking pill to swallow if it if this didn't exist of like if Donald Kaufman who's a made up person which I love that it, if you look at like the IMDb and whatnot it still has him as a writing credit um even though that's a made up character and he doesn't have a brother named Donald I love um that.
0: that confused me very much when I first saw that movie and didn't know too much
1: about him totally oh um but he's so self-aware about it mm. about him his insecurities if, as well yeah his insecurities because Especially in adaptation, Charlie Kaufman would love to be his brother because his brother in adaptation is getting women. He's having a good time. Mm -hmm. He's not nearly as stressed. He ends up his screenplay does better and gets sold off, like has all of these successes. So as Charlie Coppin, as the writer of this story is like, if I was this person, I would be so much better off, but I don't know how to be that person. Mm -hmm. And he puts all of that in front on the screen, in the writing, on display. And it's. That is the redeeming quality about Charlie Kaufman, because there is the like Aaron Sorkinness side of it, where if you are just a very confident, super intellectual asshole, it is it. Yeah, it would make the pill even harder to swallow. But there is a level of understanding about his insecurities and his inadequacies. And when it comes to just like, yeah, relationships or just, I don't know, looking at life in a way that is more like which this movie gets into of. uh, And so does adaptation and all of his movies is there's ignorance is bliss. Like he, he has the, he plays with that theme of. I would love it if life were different and I didn't care about the things that I care about, but I can't help myself from caring about these things. And it's really part of my detriment, my destruction In adaptation. He like, you know, it it dissolves his relationship with his brother gets strained. And in this, it's like. It's eternal eternal sunshine as well. Yeah. Eternal sunshine as well. Right. Um, Yeah. So. I commend Charlie Kaufman from always including that element in his movies where he knows that it that there is another way of doing things. And it does have its benefits as opposed to being incredibly cynical or not even really entertaining that other side and just being like, well, life's fucked off. We're all going to die. And then that's the end of it, because, man, like this is this movie is tough when it, when you really start thinking about its themes and kind of, you know, also to generally what we're talking about is, is that, because of charlie kaufman's specificity like it really like if you're willing to do the work to think about how this applies to your life man it really makes you think about things and makes yep. you think about and really it gives you the ammunition to delve deep within your psyche and go like how do i really feel about my life is my life really pointless it kind of fucking is am i mad about that am i sad about that what do, what should i do something better does that even matter do I, is it even like my fault that I'm like this, or is it just because society, you does, know, is like that, or, does or the, whatever? Well, maybe I don't
0: know. Maybe this isn't the best transition, but I was curious about. You mentioned you read the David Foster Wallace essays. What are they specifically about? And does it have a lot to do with like media? Because when they discuss yeah. the effect of media on his psyche and him as a his, and him as a person, was that you just the commentary? Was that it, it fills your head with like these yeah. things that you find that you. Ascribe importance to and make a part of your identity, and then when you go out into the world, the actual world, these expectations it kind of fucks you up as as a human being, as to how to live and behave. Or I'm just pontificating off what I think it. But it, what was the what were those essays about where that was it, or is it just kind of, yeah. Scope
1: so so specifically it's even more morose than that because what it talks about is the voyeurism of television mm-hmm. and the what television of people and stuff. I know they were talking about the attractiveness of people. It makes the comment of like, uh, like in the essay it says like, you know, um, people on television are similar to a teenager looking in the mirror, trying to find a good profile picture type deal, you know, where it, and also positing, like if you want to know what society, like what American society values, just watch its television because it'll tell you, Mm -hmm. but then it gets more like relevant to this movie is, is it talks about how the, the, the dynamic of television is that everybody's a voyeur. But there's a difference between you as a creepy person looking at somebody and then watching television, because with television, you could continue to be a weird person and no one will really like you're not doing there's no work or effort there. It kind of it like facilitates you to be a voyeur Mm -hmm. as opposed to. Like there's more of an active participant into an old school peeping Tom where you have to like more put yourself out there to really achieve the high television just brings it to you and allows you. Really, it gets very morose in that it just says that, you know, a, a, a even like he comes up with like a character of the person who's watching television who then like really even like de- degenerates into not Being more ill-equipped to have social interactions Mm -hmm. because they're so like they're getting fed this particular type of social interaction that they don't know how to deal with and they're not challenged to deal with. Mm -hmm. So then they even gets worse because you could just like as a pariah watch this and then it's not like you're likely to go exhibit exhibit like confident or societal uh like normal behavior you'll just like degenerate into i'm not good enough i'm it's not like you're practicing the skill of having a conversation like the tv isn't equipping you with the tools to be better in a social interaction if anything it just continues to just like get in your own head and fuck with you and not allow you to be a better person because if you would be much better off that instead of like holding these ideas as being like you know, why am I not like this? Why, you know, why is society like this? All of those things. If you were to just be out there and have conversations, you might be better off because then you would realize that, you know, maybe a truth about life is that everybody has these insecurities. And when you go out in the real world, you realize like, it's, people there are definitely vain people but ultimately we're trying to make connections but if you just operate with such a vain perspective or such a television informed perspective it doesn't necessarily make for a better person it makes for a worse person
0: that is such a fascinating <laughs> like I, I, I just like like yeah, like, yeah all right I, lo- I love yeah. learning about that I'm just I and I and it's been I th- the whole t- the whole time I've been taking it in, but also I was thinking just how it's expressed in this movie. You know, mm, yeah, totally. It's like, I get I get that sense, and what you said tracks with what I the little I know about David Foster Wallace and what I've read as well, and mm. the voyeuristic aspect and and everything is run runs is a through line to kaufman's movies with being john malkovich of course and wanting to be someone else's also goes along with that yep. um to be a movie star too yeah it's not just somebody it, else it's a movie behind star. the scenes as as well but then like still being having that access point and that link between that um but um It's just just like how it's expressed in in the movie is just what I I was like, what I was mind just kept going back to because they have a conversation about it and you get the point across. But also you get the point across that this is something that I'm not going to understand fully or this is going to be something that is kind of going to go over my head. And it's interesting to have that effect. Like Jesse Plemons as the character is putting stuff out there. And then it is just kind of like eye roll or she'll like kind of cringe or she'll
2: Mm -hmm. when I
0: have my subtitles on, it says blow raspberries was, which is just a fart noise, which I thought was really funny because that's what I was, my reaction would be to a lot of like what this guy is putting out there. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever, whatever, buddy. Um, But how it's, how that's expressed in the film is they show the David Foster Wallace book on the shelf and then they talk about it later. And, you are watching a movie about people talking about uh, movies and then there's a film critic sort of uh, allude, like alluding to a film critic sort of thing as well, which is something definitely in the wheelhouse that Charlie Kaufman has dealt with. Yeah, so having for sure. All these things be like hyper specific, but also hyper personal. Yeah. It's kind of like is overindulgent to a point. And that will be my, my main criticism to this movie is like, yeah, there is a point where that becomes overkill. And then there's plenty of scenes and we'll get to, you know, why the audience kind of hates it later, but there are plenty of scenes of them talking in a car, the one-on-one wonderful, great dialogue, great acting and how they set up the scene and editing between mm-hmm. just inside of a car keeps it entertaining. And in my opinion, maybe not to everyone else, but I, I can see why that drags for certain people and why that doesn't need to be in there. And to be honest, like even as much as I enjoy it, there are swaths of those conversations that can be cut down to be honest. Like, yeah, I I hate, I hate to be the person that's like going to edit down somebody's like beautiful art and everything. And I think it got, like I said, it got the point across, but also to a detriment where you are just kind of like I'm not as entertained as I might hope to be if I'm just a casual Netflix watcher or something like that, which they're not necessarily going for with, with the Charlie Kaufman movie Um, Mm -hmm. is everything kind of spoon fed to you, which a lot of Netflix stuff is. And I like, I think those things that he decides to put in, like the film critic thing from 1960 or 70 about, Oh, a woman under the influence. Is that what the movie is called? Yeah. Mm, Yeah. The Casavetti. Yeah. And talking about this in-depth interview or sorry, this criticism about it, this takedown about it is a big chunk of the movie. And you just start to question, what am I getting out of this? And what I get out of it as just someone who doesn't know a lot about that stuff, never seen that movie, don't know about that critic and the impersonation of her. All I'm getting is like, this is over my head. And that point, yeah. that point is already kind of made by that point. So it's like, by oh my point, God, it's yeah. like, it is overkill.
1: That's the that's car like, ride back. Yeah, exactly. it's definitely, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And it's kind of like, oh, they're talking about all the things that were on his shelf. And she knows all of these things that were on his shelf too. And that's kind of her transformation of like, you start to piece, I mean, at least the first time I watched it from my memory is like, yeah, like this is going on inside his head. There's some connection between him and the, that janitor guy you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, that's that second half. And I paused it at that point too, to make a note. And it was like uh, that drive back was about halfway through. And that's kind of like, yeah. I, yeah. And, that's and, what and I if I can also make another point about the movie is like it, it really, and I'm, I'm just assuming this, but it, it really does feel like a pandemic movie
1: and I, In in not a cool a uh, chill way though. Like I was thinking I've about this worse, as a i 20- you know, I've seen worse, but I understand you, that. Like, well, no, I understand. I guess like, I'm talking about like the
0: content. three locations. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> for like, sure. No, yeah. Like, like, there's just a lot of movies kind of come out lately that have been small cast, few locations.
1: <laughs> no, totally. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, like I I agree with you from a pandemic standpoint. Like it's yeah the the. Actual uh, physical stuff that's going on. Like the making of the movie definitely seems like that. Why I say it's not chill is that I am so. I'm, I honestly feel very fortunate to not have watched this in the pandemic because the content of this is so incredibly morose that, and it is so claustrophobic Mm -hmm. and it is so like putting a mirror to like really all of the dread that you could have inside the pandemic of like, Mm -hmm. well, I think reality is actually a farce. Like it's so crazy. All the things that are happening, how purposeful is life? We're all just going to die alone. I mean, there's so many people that were, that passed away from COVID. And, and like, could you imagine that somebody like, I don't know, during the pandemic, who's like struggling with whatever the pandemic has brought to them, watch this movie. Like, I would feel so sorry for them because this would challenge them to think about things in a way that I it, people should consider, but man, it is in a, like, it's you know, it would almost seem cruel to like, I, I, for a second, like a way I was thinking about it's like this movie seems more dangerous than like movies that people complain about being dangerous. Like you want to something like, like, yeah, no, if show, you want to talk about a fucking dangerous, <laughs> dangerous movie. This movie is fucking <laughs> dangerous because it just, it, it's kind of catcher, in the, very,
0: catcher in the rye sort of like character it, or something like a misunderstood, you know, right. like that's, that's, feels spiteful of the world and the people that have been so spiteful towards him. And also he feels and I, yeah, it's I now I'm thinking of being John Malkovich with the puppets thing where he's kind of like looking at people and coming up with these dreams and visions and using outside stigma as like puppetry and his own like fucked up mm-hmm. dream of what he fantasizes about. Um yeah, but it, as far as like the i i was kind of avoiding kind of those kind of those kind of movies and one of the ones that i was yeah avoid, was for sure was uh, soul the Pixar movie i was oh I was my like, god yeah right like oh i should watch that movie and um i had a death in my family as as well my mother uh you know <laughs> somewhat recently with you know uh within the past year or so and you know that was a movie that was like okay this is gonna have to be. Later, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, Later. I, I'm gonna watch this, and you know, and even when I did, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is my this is morose." This is this <laughs> very are they're, so. try, they're trying to bring light to a situation, and you know, I think I was far removed from my own personal situation where I was able to like, you know, and enjoy the movie for what it's worth. But it was also really hard to digest. And this movie, yeah, if you're not in the right headspace. I could see it being kind of not hard, a
1: right headspace, though. Hard, I, hard, to I, di- just, hard to digest. I would just pause at that because like What's it? it's not what would you say it's it, there's no right headspace for it, though. Because oh, so okay, it, just bring, argue, it right. wants
0: you to bring its want, wants to bring you to a headspace. It right? wants yeah, you yeah, to
1: bring you to a headspace like and it's whether or not you are strong enough to handle that i guess would specifically
0: or you be just turn it the, off five minutes and you're like you're like what this this car ride conversation is lasting a half hour i think i'm out
1: right and it also it gets into its weirdness very quickly to where i would assume that people could be very turned off very quickly by it because it just it starts it, it nothing is totally as it seems and there's a lot of yeah just odd, weird choices and uncomfortable situations and yeah it's stilted or yeah it, it doesn't seem normal and that could mm-hmm. uh, put somebody off to where yeah you watch 30 minutes of it and you're like yeah i'm okay with this i don't know why these people are talking like this i don't really get where this is going and anything like that so yeah but i mean yeah just like with I don't know. Uh, you know what I wanted to bring up too is, is that both you and me have been playing Elden Ring. And I feel like this is yes. a very like El- Elden Ring type movie where, yeah, a it, does- <laughs> where it's like, it, it doesn't tell you shit. <laughs> it is super challenging. But then when you come out of it, you're like, i i I don't know if i'm fully on board with how much i love elden ring as to this it's not like this is the greatest movie i've ever seen so i won't fully say that. the same way that
0: elden ring is the greatest game you've ever played i know i know
1: know. elden ring is potentially the greatest game i've ever (laughs) played but like there are a lot of similarities why i bring it up is, is because this this isn't a this isn't a typical movie just period into that sentence and then it challenges you to where if you're willing to go on the journey with it or accept Mm -hmm. certain things about it then it really it can be quite rewarding because it makes you at least think and confront certain things um dialogue heavy yeah right which is opposite of Elden Ring, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go down that path. yeah, it's like, you know, I'm making a comparison. I would just say, but like, I think oh as a God. Netflix, as the potential to have no dialogue almost, <laughs> if you really wanted it to be, but uh, um, like as a Netflix yeah. crowd, it's like you want to go on your phone and you
0: want it, but it's like, oh, I can kind of hear in the background, but then like, I don't know, something visual will ch- change the situation a bit. And now we'll send it down a different course. And if you're on your phone, if you're looking away, you might be like, wait, why is this happening all of a sudden? You might still be that way if you're feeling paying full attention, but. Oh, for sure. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. There was a Netflix, Charlie Kaufman partnership.
1: Uh, together totally which but i mean it makes sense because this movie i can't imagine doing well if it was it had a more theatrical release because i mean to go back to kind of what we've talked about with charlie kaufman in general is is that i think the success of the other movies that he wrote is that he didn't direct them Mm -hmm. and the direction of spike jones added a lot more like movie like more stereotypical like movie enjoyment stuff into it had maybe a little more stuff yeah yeah like uh, more of a stereotypical movie plotting or it added it would shoot and direct things in a way that it would have more fun or it would just yeah there it's a little bit easier to digest but left Mm -hmm. to charlie kaufman's own devices just like schenectady new york is like it is such a fucking hard pill to swallow but would i say that it's shot poorly absolutely not my god there are some scenes that are look like um i can't remember the author of that did the um diner in the night Nighthawks at yeah, the yeah, diners yeah. Oh, like there, mm-hmm. but there's like shots like that that just encapsulate what it means like middle america mm-hmm. uh happen. just so, such grounded beautiful work also something that i know that we've talked about on Anomaly's this podcast another one that he's he's done uh, but continue, mm-hmm. sorry One thing that we've talked about on this uh, podcast and like with Corey and whatnot is about large um, large, uh, color correction and how there was like a really big problem in the like early to late uh, 2000s of color correction being a way to make a movie seem more expensive and make it seem more like flashy and edgy.
0: Or like like location based as well of like, yeah, you're. You're in Mexico. It's going to be
1: yeah. orange and <laughs> yellow and brown, orange and yellow and brown and stuff. But this movie had color correction in a way that is so incredibly effective because and why and I bring this up because yeah. there are times where like blues would pop. Her red hair would pop. Their colors would definitely be noticeable when the. Uh, that's unnatural. Like Mm -hmm. if you were to be in a normal situation, like your jacket wouldn't be that blue, your hair wouldn't be that red, all of those things, but it is such an effective use of color correction. And it's something that's that I noticed because yeah, we've just seen such, poor uses of color correction and to kind of make up like book of saw like well we just we're in this location like you said so it needs to be this color palette so everything is this color palette and it just it it comes off very strong still but in a poor way this comes off strong in a really good way of like yeah. it just yeah it it it, it seem it's unnatural seems natural highlights colors that fit the mood and all of that stuff and I thought it was yeah I mean I I guess all of that being said and why I bring that up is that it's not like a Charlie Kaufman's a bad director it's just there is something I think almost inherently like needed in order for his work to be more digestible and that's having another visionary director whatever in the mix to like kind of either add to make it palatable. I mean, it's just not palatable. Yeah.
0: You know, it's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow is a great, great way to put it. And it's just kind of like looking at this deconstructed meal that you don't even know what the constructed version would look like. And you're just kind of like, Oh, you change these parts of like the story or whatever and to, to make it a certain way. But I almost kind of wish that you would, Help me along a little bit in some of these other areas instead of making it more about your id, your ego, what <laughs> you're going through specifically. Right. I know that's right what you know and everything, but as an audience member, it's hard to digest some of that hyper-specific stuff. Um, but it also illuminates some of, some of those things because it is so anecdotal to a subjective life. And uh, referring to the the lighting as well, I think that it was it was really solid and I think that it was one of those things where... I've, it was completely at night, this whole movie, except at the very beginning, you know, shoot before she leaves, there's a little, I guess on the ride there, there's like kind of some daytime, but it's a blizzard. So it's pretty cloudy, but you see what needs to be seen in terms of like their faces. And it's just very dialogue heavy. And you see their faces and their expressions really well. They're acting so well for being seated then for a good portion of the beginning and their, and their reactions and their body language. And oh my God, Jesse Plemons. I mean, if, if we haven't even like really talked about his performance or anything, I just think he's, he's a fantastic a- actor. And, oh my God. And, and so he, is Jesse he, Buckley he, too. Oh, oh my absolutely, God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they, everybody in this movie like, performance like, Yeah. Yeah. Just, everybody we'll in this movie statement that, that whole thing it, that made this movie watchable. If that, if those things didn't pan, cause he's a great mm. writer and everything, but there's these great actors performing great writing in a way that all the beats are figured out and they are expressive in every way that they should be expressive. And the editing supports their performance supports the director's vision and those things working in tandem, uh, get me excited as, as a, a watcher of, of the movie and everything. And there was like a kind of like almost Wes Anderson sort of practical effect with the car and how it was driving and, it almost yeah. like it was on a set and there was just like snow being blown at it at some points. And I was like, Oh, the car looks like it's standstill." And there's just like, they're blowing snow at it to make it look like there's motion and that stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it takes someone with uh good director acumen, something that Jake yeah. could wish he had a little bit more acumen to know <laughs> the elicited effect that it's probably going to have. And also know that it's going to feel like a little bit like a dream and that's okay. And things don't need to need to be technically ex- exact and, and accurate or whatever. Or look cool, and then it, I mean it does, but it it just looks. It has it has an intended effect, I think. And and the lighting along with the editing in the car w- made it very watchable to me. Uh, with some with some diet, you know, it's for for thirty minutes in a car and then a break in the house and then another like good stretch in the car. Like all I was, of its hell even the house, yeah i was <laughs> i was just surprised with like how effective i mean and this is second watching this is me coming off second watching and i think first watch it was a little more difficult because i was sure, like what I the bad. fuck is going on and second mm-hmm. time i was like oh these are expressions of him and like his own personal interests and like now i'm kind of yeah. prepared a bit of like what they're going to talk about and like this relationship isn't between two people this is a relationship between one person and like like themselves right. and like that was made it and to watch a movie where, you know, the second watch is going to be more rewarding. That can have like, that can be kind of backhanded. You know, it's like, I shouldn't have to fucking watch this a second time. Like, I don't know. That's oh, all totally yeah. about like Prometheus. I'm like, you know what? Fuck you. Like I shouldn't have to yeah. think all the information should be in this movie. I shouldn't have to have like,
1: I Another. just like it more after or mm-hmm. just like get nuance better yeah. the second time watching. Yeah. How dare you for the first time watching that? It's so obtuse and like on like, not uh, yeah, so guarded that I can't break through this chestnut like on the first viewing i have to like i'm only making a crack at it and then it's the second time that i'm really allowed to enjoy it for sure yeah that is and you would to, be like, sit there and yeah. take
0: notes and look at and read an article that charlie kaufman like talking which is an interesting <laughs> article and all that stuff but it's kind of like uh, i i don't know but then like then i think about like a david lynch movie or something too and then you hear like david lynch talking about and I'm, i think it's fair to kind of compare he's definitely an influence on this guy is like, you know, like, what does it mean? David Lynch is like, I'm not going to fucking tell you. Like, that's not the point of it. Yeah. It's it's the onus is on you to interpret it. And that's what I make is art to be interpreted. And that I think that is their purpose as well as to have it be interpreted. But in a weird way, this one, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, when I even read the art interviews with Charlie Kaufman, he's like, man, I still had to come down to your level to kind of have like an explanation for it, which I didn't even want to do. And it's like, man, this is already so weird and off and everything, but you still feel like that this is like too straightforward in in a a way. It's like at the end of his interview, he's like, either you get it or you don't. And, you know, I might reference some of these uh, quotes. Maybe I'll go through it a little bit. But uh, for now, I would like to take a bathroom break if that's okay. And then uh, we will be right back okay we are back um i think it would be good to go through some of the beats of this movie i was gonna say that he also did this movie i mentioned like casually earlier that he did this movie Anomalisa. i watched one time and that was just a mind fuck of an uh and like it was a claymation kind of stop animation movie that just uh fuck me up and didn't have that same touch of like a directorial kind of entertaining way of making it. It was just sort of like this person needs to tell you something, but they're going right. to sh- shroud it in this way that it's going to be kind of like, you got to do some work to meet the, the writer in, in the middle of it. I was just going to me- mention that, but let's uh, let's go through some of the beats of the, this movie. You know, she, she gets picked up and goes for her, uh a car ride the same way as poetic justice. Another movie that we watched. Uh, <laughs> I did not just know this was a road trip movie, road trip. Yeah, road trip.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> I go this on a is... trip
0: with my imaginary girlfriend as a younger man that I thought I saw like a trivia night one time. So, so like, okay. Like that was another the thing. The story that always changes. That, that yeah. might be good to, yes. In sh- different names and different opportunities that they've, that this man has wasted. This is a reveal that I think might be good before, before we go into the, I know I'm, I'm, I'm backtracking myself, but I think it would be good to backtrack this movie in a way where we kind of set up what is going on because he's, he does it so obtusely Charlie Kaufman and us discussing it. It would probably behoove us to just let everyone know and be on the same page about all of these characters are in Jesse Plemons characters jake's head as he's pretty much going about a day as a janitor at a high school that he used to go to in the city where he lived i guess his whole life right i don't know where where he lives now i guess they don't they don't they show him looking at the (laughs) parts they look at that's him looking at the apartment at her right I, i don't know and it's a girl he sees like on the street from his apartment mm-hmm. or something so I don't know where, where I guess he was in, in that or like apartment looking over where she got picked up and maybe that's where the whole fantasy begins but this movie essentially is like a fantasy in this dying yeah. man's head kind of Jacob's Ladder style almost is like at the end of the movie you find out like this dude is in a is in a state of debt like. Throes of death, and it's almost like having these visions that you have been experiencing this whole movie, including what has been proposed to be the main character, the protagonist. uh Is is her name Jesse Buckley? Is that, is yeah. that mm-hmm. Jesse mm-hmm. Buckley? And um,
1: you know, I love how she talks out of the side of her mouth. I don't know. That's such a, I don't know. It's such a fun thing for me. It is I, great I car.
0: Act. If you're going to be in a car acting the majority of the time.
1: Like your face acting must be. Yeah. Just she talks like out of the, yeah, out of the uh, left side of her. her Yeah. Which I, I was. Great uh,
0: listener. I was, They're both. So, I mean. Oh, hers, yeah. I think her especially is like, she's so good at listening in a scene. I can tell that she's reacting to everything that mm-hmm. Jesse Fleming is monotonally kind of putting out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. So just to set up a, uh, yeah, for people listening who haven't seen the movie, which, yeah, we'll get into whether or not you should see this movie, um, is so we have a couple who's going to uh, on a road trip. Really, it's a uh, guy picking up his girlfriend to go to his parents' place to just have dinner and for his parents to meet his girlfriend. And um, that's really the core plot of the movie is just Guy with his girlfriend, going to meet his parents, coming back home, end of the thing. And yeah. um, amazing how simple simple of a premise can produce such a complicated
0: right. explanation of this is a vision in his mind and like a it's like watch and it is like watching a dream. And I think when you start at such a baseline, you can introduce dreamlike elements uh more easily because someone can kind of be like, Oh, I kinda of can see where this is going. And then once it changes, it's like, What?
1: What's happening? Yeah. For sure, and and things become unrealistic or uh, surreal because that's kind of the category of filmmaking and that uh, Charlie Kaufman exists in is that you know just I don't know you know anybody listening who's seen his other movies the those pros remain true of he weaves in what is being said and what the characters are going through to what the author is going through. And in this story, we get these glimpses of a janitor, uh, going through his daily life of taking care of a school. Interspersed with all of the, like driving to the parents' house, the parents being there and what have you. The whole and movie. So, yeah. And it's very minimal, yeah. like these little cutaways. Super yeah. minimal. Yeah. And, and, you ultimately find out. So here's the big reveal is, is that, yeah, like we've alluded to pretty heavily already is, is that the janitor is Jesse Plemons and all of the things we are seeing is something that he is making up in his own mind. And so the girl doesn't exist. It's really just a made up girlfriend that he wanted to have, essentially, and is working out all of the things that he would have worked out with a girlfriend had he had one, but he doesn't. He is a lonely janitor. And um, yeah, a, a lot of the stuff, too, that we work out with outside of just the relationship between a man and a woman is just his relationship with his parents, which, like you have mentioned, the loss uh, that you've experienced with your family. And I've been going through similar things with my family is that. Coming to grips with your parents getting older and seeing that process is really something that is um, really intense. And that's, I think, something that resonated with me quite a bit with this movie is is that you just, uh, you know, once they get to the house, you know, the parents are a particular age, but unexplainedly, they go to being really old or they will be really young because what you Later, find out, like we just said, is that it's all in his mind. So what he's doing is is that the janitor is working out what those moments meant, what his relationship with his parents is and was. And um, it's tough shit. It's a because- fantasy, though, and it's like it's warped through his
0: own what he is himself, his desires of someone who is so heavily living in the past. This is these are the visions of someone who is heavily thinking about he constantly he he mentions that youth is admirable and that being old like is is just like the ashes ashes of yeah and he is so regretful for his his life it seems like and yeah i was i was just
1: Putting, putting he's, he's regretful because all of these hardships have been placed upon him that he uh, doesn't want. In his mind, he would much rather have what we see in this movie is this Robert Zemeckis, this more like <laughs> stereotypical uh, movie thing. You know, movie life that somebody envisions themselves having, where you know relationships go well. Your relationships with your, you know, your parents never really age; they kind of just are always there to provide guidance. But what is actually in the movie is is that his parents' mental faculties just wane so quickly and heavily, um, and he just has to deal with it. And the real truth in this you know, even though this is all really made up is that him and Jesse Plemons in the moments of taking care of his, his family, because that's something that really resonated with me is that something that I've realized so much with uh, being a 30 year old is, is that I'm seeing my parents become old and my dad has been going through a lot of stuff health wise. And like, It's just inescapable and there's such a crushing weight of this is how life is going to be, whether you like it or not. And there are moments in this movie where he has to. And something that really like affected me and drove me crazy is how negatively he reacts to his mother being like seemingly crazy because, you know, as your parents get older, mother or father, like with their mental faculties waning, like, and I saw this a lot with my. Grandfather, and when he passed away with my aunt, is that my aunt would just be so upset when my grandfather wouldn't remember stuff or be so slow to like recall or do things and just rage against it and be so frustrated with, like, Dad, you should know this. We, you were there and all of that stuff. And it just is so, so tough. To as a just a person who has been born in this life with parents and I, you know, and if you've had the pleasure to have your parents around long enough where they do get old, like it's such a tough thing to deal with at a point in your life where you start having to take care of them. They start, you know, because for a lot of your life leading up until I would assume for most people until their 30s or 40s, like. Your parents were sharper than you because they've had more life to live. They're more put together because they've obviously had you. They might have had a, you know, bought the house, done the whole thing to provide for you and all of that. And as their faculties wane, it's just so morally crushing and it's because it's morally crushing because of the fact that your parents are no longer going to be the people that they used to be, which is a really tough thing to come to grips with. But also, too, you're really confronted with your own mortality. Just yeah. like I talked to my father about losing his. That's where dad. We're all headed, and, man. I mean, if if, if, we, if yeah. we get lucky enough, you know, if we get lucky enough, we live long enough to, you know, really. If anything, I just this movie did affect me in, in a in a positive way, where again, you just. Like they, they kind of, it posits that like you are a fixed object and time moves through you. So you, again, you don't have any control over it. And you also have really the ability to live in whatever time period you want to, if you want, really. Like it's right. it's up to you if you want the reality of your parents not being able to remember certain things, not being able to be there for certain things like that's up to you to, you know, you've had all these wonderful moments. And just like I've talked to my roommate about and he's lost his dad is like, I mean, there's a way to think about things where you just you those moments aren't gone. Like you've had a life with those people and with your parents and like, you can always think about those things. They're never gone. Yeah. Like again, a really crushing morose reality that this movie posits is is that you're also going to lose those faculties as well at some point. And then those are going to be hard to remember. But, um, I think
0: that's, that's helped me is, is, you know, I've, I've been going through my, my grandfather has had, you know, Issues lately and he's in the hospital and I've been I've been taking my. Not my true grandmother, I guess. She's my is my grandmother. She's I mean, not, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, familiar. I mean, like we're not blood, I guess, but she might as well be my grandmother. And she's essentially going through. Dementia and, and he's injured in the hospital and it's one of those things. It's like these are moments that I can share with them rather than. Argue about what's real or not, you know. Right. You just embrace what the reality of of the situation is and who they are in this moment in their lifetimes, which has been a huge, huge life. And if you can just be with be with them, and then like, heart, you know, I'll harvest a little. I harvest as we were, but just like get some stories out, you know, like when I when I can get some uh, some stories and remind them of the great things that they brought to my life. Of and I just try to, you know, in those moments, constantly remind them of. You know, this is you guys are the reason that I am who I am. And, you know, just to be so appreciative and and thankful for those things and live in that moment that you have been given with them. And I think that was a harmful way to live as this main character in this movie. And my opinion was to really hardcore, like live in the past and live in a regretful way of like and be spiteful totally. about the things that were not attainable for him. And for whatever reason, if, you know, and a lot of it seems to be his responsibility for, for some of those things not coming through, but who can really say, and and in that moment, it's like, are you going to be spiteful? Or are you going to, um, you, you know, what, what are you going to, what are you going to do? And, and, and I think for, for his reaction, it was, yeah, read more books and, and try to intellectually think about, about, the situation and the problems that you've been given and that's where it kind of stems from Charlie Kaufman's mind I, I think too and all of that stuff i think is a fair reaction to someone who i don't know maybe isn't not to bring this into it but maybe isn't religious and maybe is trying to like think about think about something from from a way of like what what does all this mean and try to like the guy seems like he thinks so much and same with like the the main character of our our movie and everything. And in terms of, you know, we've maybe me and you are, and are going on a lot about, uh, afterlife sort of, sort of stuff. But I definitely think that's alluded to in this movie and the concept of time and your existence within it and how you choose to spend that time. I, I don't know. I think we're all, we've all been, we've been talking about and, and getting into, but I think, for a movie also so subjective it's I'm glad that me and you are able to offer our own sort of subjective sort of experiences to something that is instilling in us a reaction and I and I if anything I think movies like this uh that is their purpose kind of is to be the these conversation starters that we're having right now um and man how how many conversations are are had in this movie so we get the car ride we get we get in the car and they have like a 30 minute or so car ride of them talking going to the going to the parents place is there anything on this car ride there that that you can think of that uh any beats along the way that you can think that um are important yes. important in your mind I, I you know i know they like the putting the music on is, is a big thing when things kind of get uncomfortable, he'll like, you know, want to listen to some music and then it happens to be a musical and he's in, into those sort of things. Um, you know, there's, there's some lines that I, I, I thought were pretty good that like, not pretty good, just like that were interesting that I, that I kept on kind of like writing down and that would just be so Aaron Sorkin, kind of matter <laughs> of fact, thrown away that I kind of have to be like, wait, what? And, um, sometimes the thought is closer to the truth to reality than an action you can't fake a thought Mm -hmm. and that sort of idea and especially come from coming from a writer it just yeah it's it's something where you're putting a lot of importance to your ideas and so that's kind of i don't know it it almost seems like egotistical but it's also self-reflective and um i i I don't know also like self he seems like it seemed there's self-destructive aspects to a lot of his characters and self-demeaning sort of messages to the characters and also the person writing them. Um, and they talk about like, I don't know she says the getting old ain't for sissies, but uh, is what Betty Davis says. And then he has this argument about sissy as a pejorative and, and this like kind of back and forth. And there's a lot of like arguments from her about him being demeaning towards women and also vice versa, because he's the one that's like, saying that sissy is a pejorative and there's this element of she has a lot of agency herself, which is was important to Charlie Kaufman was to not have, have her just be the tool to the reveal at the end that to the twist of like, Oh, she wasn't really, really there at all to begin with. And she was just a figment of his imagination and put too much importance on that. He wanted to have her have agency and have some ability to, be her own person and also he found it kind of funny that even in this guy's fantasy he still couldn't please her and still she would find things wrong and he would still get broken up with which is what like, yeah it was, it was the name of the name of the the movie and like movie but also like i mean, whatever double meaning you want to you want to say but like that's i think that is a, a funny layer as well and that's how it starts and, is like someone that like doesn't want to be with him anymore is like how you're introduced to this character. Is like, I don't want to be with this guy anymore.
1: <laughs> totally. And it's overall super interesting because since we later find out that the, she is a part of the, uh, a man's psyche is that it? like w- weirdly like ends up being such show. a yeah, such a wonderful like discussion that is happening in society about like men so easily will subscribe meaning in a particular way or think women want things in a particular way. And it was really great to, you know, his internal dialogue is that he is giving so much agency and power to her because she deserves it. And like, Yeah, I just I don't know. It's hard to really articulate because it's so incredibly complex. uh, What it means to think, because like I guess I just related to that, where you know, in in order to navigate through society, like you have to consider the other side's opinion because that makes you ultimately a better person. Because if you just solely think you're right, then you're a sociopath. It like. So for her to have conflicting opinions to Jesse Plemons or to challenge him on stuff was so interesting and quite wonderful because it just is really emblematic of what reality is, is that in all of these like, you know, faux pas and all of these conflicts that we have online and what have you, like ultimately a real person's like, you know, how they're going through it is, is that they're. They're thinking that the other team feels this way, but in a way where they're giving as much power to them as they think they deserve. And in this situation, it's a lot like she is able to tell him no. And I moments in the car where he will casually just be like oh well i just like this cuz it's fun and nice and whatever like she'll challenge him on that and be like well but it's not like it's it's so Reductive, or it's so simple, and it's like the real thing that's going on is this power dynamic, or this like desire and drive that is coming from the feminine, or coming from just like an opposing idea, which I and mean, that, have with, within us, and you have that conversation right, with, totally. with stuff. and like I, I
0: mean, I could relate with that. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely, like I your, can relate with it like that too. That thought process of like this is going on inside his head, and I constantly he is a contrarian. He like, con- like he himself is constantly like, well, he's that guy who's like, well, actually it's this. Well, actually it's that. And so like within his own mind, he's that type of person where he's, he's contrar contrarian to himself. And he's constantly like, he'll have an original thought or have an idea then he'll like challenge himself. And you can, I don't know, I can relate with, relate with that myself or like, Oh, I'll have an idea and be like, no, you idiot. Like, that's not right. Or like, Oh, what would society think if you, if you thought that, or you think of like, you have your own original carnal idea, and then you start to put it in the shroud of society and everything. And, and she almost res- represented that outside world and his reasons for failure within it of what he portends normalcy to be in, in terms of like, attracting a mate or or having living a normal life uh, in, that, right. in that sense and making his parents happy which is like the movie the zemeckis movie he seems to be watching too where it's like oh they meet under weird circumstances <laughs> his name's nimrod
1: <laughs> yeah that was oh man that like that whole that, mo- oh, movie yeah so where it's Just for anybody listening. So there's this point where there's like this movie going on and it is a waitress with a shadow, like a new janitor is
0: watching it in the break room at lunch. And it just, like a random scene at dinner or something,
1: uh, 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 the family. And this waitress is like showing this new person, like, okay, so I'm going to walk to this table. Just like I'm sure most people have seen whenever they've gone to a restaurant where, you know, the servers like, so here's so and so he's going to be taken over on my break, you know, that kind of person, right? Somebody shadowing. And then, like, uh, I can't remember what the conflict is. Uh, but he like stands up for her and been like, no, she's a vegan And she doesn't eat any of that. And I love her. And it just she loses her job. He goes, you know, quits the job with her. And then they're out in front of the restaurant. And she's like, so do you really love me? He's like, yeah, I really love you. And it's there's yeah. Oh, such a weird. This whole movie's weird. But yeah, that's uh, that access point into like, oh, this guy.
0: Takes in media and he. Exhibits it within his own mind, fantasies straight up to the to the end.
1: Totally. So, do you think the why Zemeckis is in there is because he stands for that in Charlie Kaufman's mind? Quote: It's 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 a little. uh, It doesn't address
0: it completely, but I'll, I'll read this quote from Charlie Kaufman. They and I'll also contextualize that he did work with him on some. Very, very minutely, like very not like not that much. I think they have like a, a rewrite yeah, or something yeah, sure. movie together. And so maybe, the, but they didn't have much of a relationship. But I'll read this quote uh, from Charlie Kaufman about Zemeckis. Sometimes things are funny because they're funny. And I feel like it's possible that Zemeckis could have made this movie, even if it's unlikely, Kaufman said. At the same time, there's a touch of irony to the to, to the choice. I don't think Zemeckis ever has or ever would make a movie like this. It's more of more like a Nancy Myers movie. Oh, totally. Which we've done. He wasn't, which we've done. He wasn't a model for it. His stuff is generally more high concept, but it's possible. So the joke resonates somehow. He asked the director for permission to include the reference in Zemeckis is thanked in the credits. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird because he's that quote is like. Starts with Zemeckis could have made this movie. And then the next line is like, there's no way. I don't think Zemeckis ever has or ever would make a movie like this. So it's like, I don't know. There's this weird duality to everything that he does. That just is like constantly like it can't make sense to himself. Like he can't have it be too easily bared out to even his own brain because that's not things that he, those aren't things that he likes. He likes putting it together he likes when it's deconstructed and he can put put the thing back together himself or how he wants to or he'll deconstruct it himself and put it back together how he wants to put it back together and like his movies are kind of for like I don't know people like that I feel like sometimes
1: uh, yeah I was gonna say like that's to me that seems almost disingenuine about like It's dancing around it in my mind, what Charlie Kaufman is saying about Zemeckis, because in my mind, the reason that he
0: added what it is,
1: the reason he added Zemeckis in that is because Zemeckis has made incredibly huge pop culture movies that people herald myself included. I was just asked the other day by um, Nick Schulte, very heartfelt movies. Yeah, I was just asked the other day by Nick Schulte. who was on the podcast for our Night of the Roxbury episode about. uh, if, you know, the question of if I was on death row, what would be my movie? What would be my, uh, what concert to see? Um, and what would be my, uh, food of choice? And I picked at the time. Cause I mean, I don't know, stuff like that is so hard because it's like, it, it seems like it changes all the time because you're talking yeah. about like your, your best and favorite thing. But That's I, right. I, at the time I was like, I was like back to the future. Hey, I think back to the nice. future. It's just when you think of movies, I think of like what, the quintessential movie to me is back to the future. It is never not been good. Never. It's never. Yeah. Like I can, cause I used to work at a theater as a film projectionist when I was in Fullerton. And, uh, I, there was a manager that worked there who asked me the question about your favorite movies, but he first posited about that. Cause I did the bullshitty college student thing, just kind of like what we're talking about a little bit with this high art that, uh, that Kaufman operates in is that I was like, Oh, revolutionary road is my favorite movie when he asked me. Cause I was like, this movie is like it is so like gets into the human psyche it is visually like perfect for what the movie calls for all yada 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 i really like revolutionary Road. yeah me too but it it represented how you felt at that time i mean that's fair totally because i just love the fact that there was a movie about that was like my parents where my parents are still together and they come from a time where You know, there's a lot of, you know, people are forced to be together to some degree because of societal norms. And that movie comes out and it just shows all of the like, really like, yeah, all of the. Personal struggles that come with growing up with a person you've committed your life to that I think is really interesting and wonderful and not wonderful in the sense it makes me really sad because you just can like true relationships, even though they could be the love of your life or fleeting. Um, But I put I, I posited that movie as being my favorite. But then he great Michael Shannon over- performance. Oh, my God. He really put him on the map for me. Exactly. Uh, but. What he posited then afterwards is he's like, oh, well, it's Independence Day for me. And then he oh, outlined my. why. And he outlined oh, yeah. why. And he was like, he's like, because Independence Day is one of those movies, no matter where it's at in the movie, no matter what time of day, if it's on there, I will enjoy that it's on. Even if it's in the background, no matter where it is, I'm down to watch it. That's why it's my favorite movie. Do you think that's and, what Will Smith said to Chris Rock before he smacked
0: him was welcome, oh, just to, those, say, uh, welcome yeah. to Earth? <laughs> maybe he I'll thought Chris rock was an alien from men in black. Okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. This is going to be, if far. he
1: would have said that, then all the people who thought it was fake would have been. So just like really like <laughs> built up, and validated.
0: Oh, um, independence day three is for sure. Coming out. And Will Smith <laughs> yeah. is back, baby. They're going to combine worlds with men, with men in black and independence day. Aliens are all in the
1: same metaverse. Oh my God. Oh my God. We This and is we what we're GI waiting Jane for. Two. you know, And it just fits into my philosophy too that Hollywood is culturally bankrupt when it comes to its bigger movies that most people are watching. Obviously, we've been huge fans of A24, and when I, you know, I get into conversation, Moonfall, Roland Emmerich's latest venture. No, absolutely not. Am so I excited for Moon Knight, even though I like Oscar so Isaac? No. So many moon And things. then the best thing was Kalo called me up and he's like, uh, so how do you feel about uh Oh, from about Morbius. a boy, Kalo? <laughs> yes. Friend of the, <laughs> yeah, friend of the podcast? Boy. Yes, of course. Friend of the podcast. He's like, how do you feel about uh, Morbius? And I was like, I couldn't care <laughs> less about a movie <laughs> than Morbius. Uh, but so he, he possibly more upset than this movie <laughs> than this movie right and i would feel more god i just saw this fucking interview with jared leto and all of the stuff he said about it too just made me so fucking pissed where he's like he 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 mentioned well this character has never been seen on screen so that's what attracted it to you know the role to me <laughs> all of these bullshit things where i'm like fuck you I know you can't say that you wanted it for the money. So these are the things you're saying. Um, But no. So Nick Schulte, friend of the pod asked me about this and I was like, no, it's uh, back to the, back to the future. And why I brought up that anecdote about working in a movie theater. And that conversation is because I honestly now, especially as I've gotten older, subscribe to that is, is that, you know, uh, two through five can be movies that are really evocative of emotion in ways that are more challenging than, uh, back to the future is, but back to the future is fucking perfect. And it's so enjoyable. I like I, any part, any time it's on any part that Mm -hmm. it's at, I am so down for what's happening in that movie. And that's a Robert Zemeckis movie. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, when I saw the Robert Zemeckis in the, in, uh, I'm thinking about ending things, that's what That's what universality. That's what it stood for, is that Robert Zemeckis has been a major contribution to Mm -hmm. what a movie is and what people have thought about plotting and about themes and characters in movies. And that's why it's in that, because if anything, even though Charlie Kaufman won't fully say it is, is that it is somewhat in a negative light in this movie that he robert zemeckis made that movie because he is part of the problem about building up fantasy and building up something that is totally unrealistic and real or it's just but it's also to his credit because it's that good of a movie exactly to his credit as well
0: fucking like expect life to be be like that you know
1: you go to a Zemeckis movie and you know that there is going to be you're going to be on some type of ride you're going to figure you're there's going to be about. some
0: downs you're going to have a character who's on down on his, on, and his or her right. luck and and they're going to have to f- figure it out and they're going to triumph over some sort of adversity I, I feel like and, but there's going to be tra- there's usually tragedy.
1: And There's tragedy as like, I, I but it's like so I, stereotypical of what a movie is that a right. tragedy exists to jettison the hero to overcome the odds to then become and, a better person. And if you
0: don't have that moment of triumph as a person in real life, then- It's like, what the fuck is the
1: point, man? Right, but then Charlie Kaufman's doubling down on actually the point fucking doesn't exist and life is meaningless. And then that's why I would just argue that, like, even though obviously as a director in Hollywood and all of that, and just as probably I'm sure a Robert Zemeckis fan, like he's, you're not going to say something bad about Robert Zemeckis, fuck. Like the guy made movies that are amazing. yeah. Yeah, like, but you're, it is he is in the movie to make a commentary that is much more biting than what you just, what you said about his, like his, what Charlie Kaufman said about why Robert Zemeckis. Is oh yeah. He's, it, he's trying to, yeah, he's, he's trying to abstain. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's he's not going to say the reason I had it's it good. in it is because not only is he great, but he's also contributed to this disillusion that America has about what it means to be a human being and, uh, you know, and whatever. But yeah, like, uh, God, so that, is this movie like important? I'm now like I don't know. Through this conversation, I'm just like, is this one of the most important movies that you could see in your life?
0: <laughs> like it propagates it's these ideas that are yeah yeah. Fun. Like I think that are interesting to talk about. However, again, I, I will go back to my main criticism: is it entertaining to in a way to no. present those ideas as much as some of his other movies, which do more like at least movies that he's written and even on Nama Lisa film trickery there's some good practical effects in this and it's interesting visually to look at but it's also very claustrophobic and yeah uh, sure you know only a few locations with a, with a few people and everything but that's that's not necessarily a problem it's just it seems I don't know. Somewhat hackened by its limitations a little bit in terms of like of a, of a pandemic movie and and uh, and a and a more minimalistic sort of way way of doing things, but it is morose and it is hard to be fully entertained at at, at points because our main character who pretends to be our main character is like. Making fart noises at this dude of like God, I'm so fucking. She's like bored and over it with bored.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: she's thinking of ending things and all that stuff. And so, I mean, we'll get to the house. I mean, we got David Thewlis, uh, we got Tony Collette, fantastic performances, and they are able to take direction really well because I feel like there's moments where they are playing different. You know, they're they're paying, playing a variety of ages and. Yeah. David Thewlis has a great way of playing old as well as Tony, Tony Collette and Tony Collette was doing some stuff that was really fully realized. And she was making some choices that I just was thought was just like eerie. There's a lot. Yeah, of, most of like the, most of the horror comes from her. I feel like, cause she's just uh, like, yeah, her waving in the window and uh, her, her laugh and the tinnitus stuff. But uh another movie Hereditary that came out around this time, it's it's different enough from that performance where I'm like, she's fucking amazing. She's amazing. Like, she's oh my god,
1: amazing, yeah. dude. She is so one good. of our li- a, a living legend. Easy. Absolutely.
0: And in these, like whatever horror or or uh whatever you can put her in anything.
1: Put her in anything. Yeah, put <laughs> her in anything. Put her in a bra. <laughs> put a bird on her. No, I just yeah. She's. Is that a how did this I, get made? Reference. That's a how did this get made reference. Can I, I
0: make up another podcast reference
1: while <laughs> yeah, you're please. at it?
0: Uh, there's a there's a line from this first car ride, which uh, we're, I'm going backwards, but I still have to say, uh, where I think he responds with "Wow," and she says, "Wow" is an all-purpose statement. You love it, or there's no words to describe how rubbish it is, and all I could yeah. think of was Doughboys. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Wow. Yeah, the the wow. Cu- yeah. Wow. Wow. And they could say that as much as they want throughout the whole whatever. and I I fucking love the Doughboys. boys. It was but Din Tai Fung, right? Din Tai Fung? Or I was just thinking their was, their usage it, of the word wow. They use Oh, wow, totally use wow for everything.
1: Yeah, I just bring up the Din Tai Fung episode it's, because yeah that that was the episode where there was a food cri- they had like a food critic friend on there and then he challenges them that every time they say wow yeah. he they have to like uh put so much money into a fund for some <laughs> charity or whatever uh which was yeah great because like yeah as a writer like wow is like the death knell of you don't have the words to describe how you're feeling you just use it as a yeah a plurative of yeah, everything you know, it's impactful. Like I'm that's shocked. almost. I'm I, shocked. I, I, I'm I could, shocked.
0: Could, it's impactful. It's whatever. Yeah, whatever you want. And uh, yeah, I will continue to say that. Mitch is a huge fan of this podcast because he retweeted one of our tweets just once, ah! not to brag, but we're kind of a big deal. Um, but yeah, like I think anything we want to say about this uh, time at the house, they they arrive, they go on the tour of the outside. You get the story about the the pig. You see the sheep. You see the lambs, uh, you get this constant internal monologue that she's expressing without her mouth moving. He is able to hear her. Um, So there's already kind of a tell there about like something, something fucky is going on here. Uh, And that's the beginning of it. But his insistence on how to do certain things is also another weird thing. You see the, the swing (laughs) by the abandoned house. There's just weird shit going on. You don't know how to attribute all the time, what to attribute it to. There's yeah. The wave when they first show up from Tony Collette is just at the window with a huge smile, just waving. And they, and when the characters themselves are like, this is weird. Then, you know, like this is fucking weird. Um, But yeah, the, the pig with the maggots, that was like a very graphic description from a person who seemed nonplussed by it which was also unsettling how just nonplussed and kind of like half smiling and joking and chuckling about the situation as he was and almost like he's like oh you're gonna find this gross or something and, he, and how he mm-hmm. describes it and all of this again is like speaking to how he thinks about himself it's fascinating it's a, it's it's like someone who. If you enjoy psychoanalyzing, 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 psychoanalyzing in a movie, I don't know. It's like the second watch for me was that. It was just like, what is this guy's deal? This guy's deal. Oh, right. And like, but also, yeah, Confederacy of the Dunces. I'm so glad you remember the name. That kind of thing of like, he is so in his own head. Um, And so, yeah. And then you get introduced to them, the parents, they have a feast when he says that. She's probably not going to be able to cook. There's like a beautiful, amazing feast. Uh, Our main character is a poet. She's an artist. She shows the art to David Thales. And he says he likes things about pictures about things that are real. Uh, And how can you tell a landscape is sad unless you have a sad person in it? I thought that was a funny, just a funny argument. Yeah. Um, and something that, like, it just reminds me of Charlie Kaufman having to convince someone that his, like, movie is valid or something. <laughs> and he's right. like, well, and, like, a producer is like, well, why isn't there someone telling them that they're sad right there? You know?
1: Why isn't there a sad person yeah. in this? It's like, like, like oh, well, because yeah. everything else about this is sad.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, I worked sure. so hard to create the scene. And then Jesse Plemons is very, like, put off by his... By Tony Collette, like she tries to touch him every time he's like you, like you said, he's just rescinded, which is just hard to watch because hard to watch. You can tell that he vies for her affection and her validation and her love. um, But he is like also like, I don't know, like vilifying her and also like kind of just yeah, rescinded from her. Uh, activity, yeah, just being a
1: son to a mother, like it's a doting mother. But then he also trashes
0: the Freudian concept that she places later, and it's all sure, you know, it's all pro- projection, all all that stuff of of where he's at in his life.
1: But yeah, is can, there? Can I pee real quick? Please do. I'm, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. no, it's all good. Let's take a take another break, and we we shall continue. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back. Um, you know if, if there's anything you wanted to say about uh them them at the house i mean there's a lot to say i just feel like we've been going pretty long as it is yeah. through the rest of this movie i was thinking just to get some of the some of the broader strokes great performances this whole time so claustrophobic within this house like it's it's all uh pertained in in, in this house and like there's you know just plenty of signs like there's the dog that's there and then it's not she you know she like sees them at different ages. She, you know, like the whole child's bedroom thing. And then you get the John, uh, David Thewlis with his, uh, kind of like dementia or Alzheimer's mm. and, uh, and then, you know, she's really old at a certain point too. And she's, you can tell in kind of hospice. And then at some point within the past, she died first. And, uh, it was just David Thewlis for a while. Cause He was uh, offering like her old nightgown to her to stay the the night. Um, There's a lot that happens. And there's a lot of like psychological, existential, philosophical stuff that's just being thrown at you, uh, as well as foreshadowing to what's happening within the movie's plot. Um, I just wanted to touch on some of that. But uh, before I go move
1: on, is there anything else in the house that you wanted to uh, mention, Brandon? Great, Brandon. No, yeah. no, yeah. I, I would just say generally is that uh, while they're in the house, there are moments where the parents are really old and on their deathbed and really young. And it is all in service of moments that, again, we've uh, told you that this is all in the head of somebody. And what this all is in service of is working through the loss and insecurities because that's even brought up on the ride back about uh insecurities and inefficiencies in your personality that your parents can bestow upon you and uh the young woman in this says that that's it's up to you to overcome that you shouldn't blame your parents for that. And I felt very strongly about that because he
0: was, he kind of agreed as like, wouldn't that be, or like maybe that's how the conversation started is like, wouldn't that be nice if you could just blame this one thing
1: right on your parents and and just be, be, yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, no, I would just say like it. Yeah. I just, you know, You see so many inefficiencies in somebody's character because of their insecurities that are most likely stemming from childhood traumas or not trauma in a like super like aggressive sense, but just trauma in the sense of like, we're all raised by other human beings that have flaws. And there is a statement in this movie about at a point you should, Take it upon yourself to overcome uh, those inadequacies or those insecurities to be a better person. And it's interesting because that is also just such a self-reflection that doesn't really like net out to anything in the movie. It's just positive because I'm sure we'll get to the end of this movie uh, here in a second. But yeah, like. I do believe that though. I, and I, and I told my mom this as well. Um, I can't remember what movie it's from, but something that stuck with me in life is that, you know, cause there used to be this like, not platitude, but this saying of like, you are who like you're your parents, you know, we just become our parents, uh, something to that effect. And I can't remember the movie. I wish I could. Cause it's just, I don't know. It's impacted me so much of, uh i look at it as we pick up from where our parents left off Mm, and they're so yeah like you it is understandable to go to therapy and to work out how troubling you know human beings who raised you affected who you are and what your character is and it's impossible. your poise and all it's them. just
0: impossible sorry i i was just gonna say it's just impossible for you to be your parents and that's the passage that's what the passage of time is is that you cannot be your parents in the modern time and sorry continue
1: no you're absolutely right that's a great point to bring up especially when you're Within talking about movie. modern times for sure because you know, my parents have a sensibility from their growing up. Sensibility, it, sure. And, and, but yeah, it's just like you can't. And, and, and there's such now. a conflict that I have with my parents' sensibility of things. Something that I'm really overly concerned and I'm not to get. You know, I, I'm gonna open up about it because this movie warrants it. Is that I'm so concerned about my parents' sensibility and that I see the effects that the internet has had upon them, and they have been ill-equipped because they weren't, you know, they didn't grow up with it. You know, I'm I'm ne- I'm not concerned at all for my brother who's younger than me about the sensibility or about the power of the internet, but. Your parents are going to have a level of understanding and sensibility from the time that they were growing up. And you can't have that because times change whether you like it or not. And providing that same sensibility that was applicable to when they were 20 or 30 years old isn't either relevant or isn't applicable to this time period because things continue to move and because of technology move so quickly. And so they just have these ways of looking at things or these ways of ingesting in culture that, um, it's, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're, it seems almost ill-equipped to, uh, navigate today's pitfalls, with the same sensibility. So I would hope anybody out there listening that I respect and love my parents so fucking much. I, it's it, like it, oh, it so much because to make sacrifices, to love a person unconditionally through a long period of time, is so incredibly admirable, but it doesn't mean that they know everything or that they get everything. And I, yeah, I don't know. I just connected so much when Jesse Plemons is taking care of Tony Collette when she just has no bearings on what's going on, but he just wants to make sure that she's taken care of. And like that stuff just really hits hard because it's not like he... He believes the things that she believes. She He just knows that this person cared for me and I need to care for her. Yeah. And also, too, like something that really upset me and something that made me think a lot about is, is that whenever in the movie he is at odds with his mother or has this very like immature response of like, oh, mom, don't say this about me or just gets very uh, Self conscious and insecure about the things that she says. It just frustrated me so fucking much because I have a mother who does that. I'm sure a lot of people listening have mothers that have done that. And it is so fucking upsetting to see because. So what? Like, and it was good to see it from like, or see responses from the young woman's perspective of like, Whenever you're like, oh, mom, stop that. No, it's this. Or you just are at odds with your mother because she's not saying the right thing or doing the right thing. It just is not a good place to be at. And yeah, like. I would advise anybody who feels like I wish my parents weren't so annoying or so like. Yeah, frustrating to be around no matter what they believe in. Because, yeah, I would, I don't believe the same things that my parents believe, but it just makes me, yeah, it affected me so much to think about time spent being frustrated with whatever my parents, you know, philosophy on life or political ideals are. Because, like, in this movie, too, is they, your parents aren't going to be around all the time. And, like, that is, yeah. It's and, time wasted. His
0: way of uh remembering them was in those moments in the past, it, it seemed like it, it seemed like he didn't cause I don't know, he didn't take their memories with him in a positive way, in the way that yeah. they would have maybe wanted. And it's it's up to him how he wants to wants to do it. But he when his mother would express joy and admiration for him. He rescinded each time. Yeah. And that, that expression was something that was so self detrimental to his own psyche of who he was and an expression of that as well of that, man, he is a smart guy and, and she's, and she's letting him know and who, and no one else in the world is letting him know no one. And that's all he no wants way. is for someone to recognize. And when someone does his mom, who's, who's close, close, so, the closest thing to him possible and has brought him up and he can't fully accept he, it. He can't, he can't accept it. It's too close. And he doesn't know, he doesn't know intimacy. And at the same time, he strives to know what that feels like, but yeah. when it's presented in front of him in a even in a familial way, a form of love, He doesn't know how to accept it. And at the base, man, like, I I don't know. That's something that has helped me is accept the compliment. Uh, Say thank you. If someone gives you a compliment, give them an emphatic thank you. And they will appreciate it that as much as you appreciate the compliment. I'm telling you. Like people, yeah. cause people, it's hard sometimes for people even to make that vocal compliment to another person of like, Oh, I'm going to totally, I mean, Oh, I like this person's hair. Do I like this person's shoes or, or shirt or whatever, or, or, you know, their, their energy, their smile, whatever, you know, you can do it in a respectful way. Uh, but just expressing that, that form of admiration or that form of like, I don't have to be right in this situation, and this and this is just who this person is. And I, I don't know if we know these people in, in life, Polar Kingdom out there, but it's just like he just reminds me of the person that like needs to be right, is contrarian in every in every situation, and and just actuallys things down to the point where it's not even worth it anymore. And it's like, okay, if right is being what's important to you, then you can be right, but you're going to be alone and alone, and, and that's what he ends up being and right, but he's right, yeah. and he knows what he wants to know. And that's all that matters. And media, whatever, like everything is what's important to him. And he has given, he is he partakes in that and that brings him fulfillment and that's fine in a healthy way, but he ascribes so much importance to, to that importance to that. But these things that are being shown to him are human connections derived from love, but also as the movie says, pre-interpreted for your, for you to not have to think about it. Yeah. But the dude thinks so much. I I don't know. So, so when he's given these messages, he projects them to the outside world. And I think the hardest thing for me to accept too, is that also affects his world, how he views it. You are an indecision is still a decision, and there's plenty of indecisions that he makes as a person of being shut in and not being an active member of society or or whatever it may be. He's he's doing a positive thing, cleaning up a school, great, but there's plenty of things that he has just shut off and and been been a recluse from and has preferred to fantasize about those things, and those are still decisions, and those still affect you, not only you but your community and your family as well and I think that's something that I've had to accept in my life of like you know you can't just recuse yourself from every situation you have you have to be an active member and you have to make decisions and you have to step up in in those moments and instead of stepping up he backs off and is spiteful of how it turns yeah, out exactly when he could have actually had an active voice in those situations and uh, affected what was around him instead of expecting people to get on his level mm-hmm. and no amount of assimilation to society and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, there's, there's waves, ways of expressing this. You can watch the Joker or something. You can watch, watch something that expresses like a taxi driver or something that expresses that sort of thing. But this is, this is a heady movie. Um, yeah. these These are existential philosophical ways of, quandaries and ways of going about expressing these ideas. And if I can move further, you know, they take the drive to back, they put the chains on, they, they take the, if if I can move on, they take the drive supposedly back home, but they take a stop at Tulsi town. We're pretty, pretty uh, late into it as it is. So if there's anything you want to say about Tulsi town, I, I don't know if you've
1: I mean, all of it is in service of just these ideals and these insecurities in his life that Mm -hmm. uh, in the janitor's life that have affected him. We come to a conclusion of, you know, like the Oklahoma stuff and the Nobel Prize winning stuff is that all of the girls that he sees at high school that make fun of him. And then he expresses the
0: other girl and the people that he sees that are. Like him, he says that that have this mark of like being outsiders, but that's Mm -hmm. such an assumption and that's such a projection too. He's like assuming so much of the world around him, and
1: uh, yeah, sorry, what I keep interrupting. No, 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 no. You you got it because I mean, yeah, like I guess at this point, instead of talking about the specifics, yeah, 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 we're more just talking about like what the ethos of this movie is. And then like, you know, we'll start getting into the reviews of it for sure. But there is at the end of this movie and at the core of this movie, there is so much regret and so much impact that his insecurities have had on his life. And he knew what it would be like to live a life that was fulfilling and good, just like with adaptation. And we talked about and it's just this Charlie Kaufman thing of it all is like he knows what it would mean to have a life that is less about loneliness and conflict and more about what it means to be accepted, to be part of a group, to have a good time. And it's just always at odds with who he Mm -hmm. at his core is. Mm -hmm. And it just leads in this movie down a road of just unaliving yourself because you can't at a point. It's. It seems like there's no coming back from it. You know, you you just live life so much that way that there's no. I don't know if anything, it just is like, there's no real repercussions in society from you on aliving yourself. And if it brings you, yeah. Brings you solace, I guess do it. No, you never do it. Never always think and consider how much of an impact you could make even at the very last moment. I hope anybody would consider that you can make an impact on somebody's life. And I know it's hard to think about what, if it's really matters because that's something me personally about this movie. That's tough is, is that ultimately I can get like, I get that none of it matters and that's, the existential dread that you can talk about with this movie is that like, I love every moment talking to you, James. And, but does it matter? It matters as much as we want it to matter. Oh, exactly. Like it,
0: In this no, moment, I'm not, it
1: matters. So right. In yeah, this I, moment, it, it like, means I everything think, to me I think therefore that I I, am I'm that sort of shit. Man. Right. Like I'm talking to a person I've known uh, so much of my life and i relish so much of that but does it matter like are we making a difference like no we're not like oh no but, <laughs> <laughs> like this podcast this us <laughs> talking like anything doesn't matter but like kind of i don't know like it's making a difference to me so i, I don't know it's- right and that's the argument you would make is is like it isn't what, what these movies, what these books, all of this media you can consume, it makes you believe that what matters is, is influencing people making a difference in a way that affects a lot of people like that type of stuff where it's like impactful, but reality Is and that's what's really like. I even brought it up earlier about like what's scary or about this movie, or very challenging about this movie is is that it posits that life is meaningless, but it gives you a life with moments that have a lot of meaning in it. So it's up to you to seize opportunities to love the moments that you've had. And to understand that regardless of the impact that you make, a life worth living is a life where you've either loved something or experienced something with great passion that it affected you. And like we saw Oklahoma to like, or the, you know, the, um, him winning an award, like he understands that that's, what life's about is these moments of connection, but they're just so idealized. He, that he needs a medal,
0: it, like he needs his. He always wanted exactly. To, he, he they're got, so idealized he his that it's like
1: pin, and that was right. He
0: wanted the acumen pin, and so in his final throes of of death, when he's uh, in his car after after everything, you know they. They get they go to Tulsi's. They get the ice cream. They show up at the high school because it gets too melty after this this conversation about uh, film critic Pauline Kale and, and and that whole thing. Um, I, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, woman under the influence. She does an impression of Pauline Kael, uh talking about that movie. And they get to the the school. Throws away the melty stuff. The the burrs that they call them, the Tulsi mm-hmm. burrs. Yeah, the burr and. Yeah. Uh, uh there's a whole thing with a pig. The pig comes back as an animated uh kind of CGI sort of thing. That's been- that whole sequence was really wild. Including yeah. maggots and everything, and the an, um naked older Jesse Plymouth, Jake uh character. And then it gets into this award uh ceremony, which is kind of the final crescendo of the movie, and everyone has uh, stage like old age makeup. Um, I was gonna mention. Right. I was just gonna say this one quote about that from Charlie Kaufman. There was a scene where the janitor found a makeup book in the map in the bathroom. This is a scene that was cut. I think he's is what he's alluding to. Oh God, uh, okay. that kind of explains that a bit more. But you know him. He's like, oh, it explains it more. I don't want that in the movie. <laughs> uh, there was a scene where the janitor found a makeup book in the bathroom as he was cleaning up. Because somebody had clearly been putting their makeup on in this boys or girls room. Um, the device allows Jake everyone to bring in his head to age along with him while reminding us of the artifice in play. All of the people who were in the audience, with the exception of the characters from the movie, are the extras who played high school kids in the rest of the movie, Kaufman, uh says. So they're all young people wearing old age makeup. Sure, but yeah. Him finding that makeup thing, I, I guess there was a scene, but... It's like, oh, that's too literal. I can't have something be that yeah. obvious, that obvious. But because it's I thought I and you as even somewhat attentive audience member, if you made it through this much of the movie and you're still interested in it, there is great old age makeup with both uh, David Thulis and uh, Tony Collette. Yeah. So you know, they can do great old age makeup. And it's just like this kind of just lines on everyone's face. So he goes up. Jesse Plemons, Jake goes up to the podium. Uh, a different older man like just him just Jesse Clemens with old age makeup he makes the exact same speech from A Beautiful Mind one of the DVDs that's on his shelf at home he makes the speech at the end of that movie because that's what he finds important so this is just like a yeah I I haven't even seen Jacob's Ladder I just know the reference that's how much media has affected me folks I haven't even seen Jacob's Ladder and I'm using it as a reference you see you see what this movie is telling us? Um, and there's, oh yeah, and there's this all uh, dance scene from one of, that's pulled from Oklahoma, uh, this kind of dream sequence within Oklahoma, that's a dance from the movie. The choreography is very similar in the music and the lighting and everything, but it's in the high school locker room. And that happens as well there's some cool you know cinematography with the snow coming down in the gymnasium and 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 stuff like that uh but at this award ceremony after he gives that speech he does another song from oklahoma everyone does a standing ovation um and then it fades to blue yeah never seen that before yeah that was an interesting kind of just like my eyes of like Oh, and then it went to the car covered in snow, and credits, and then credits, and uh, yeah. So that's 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 the movie. Charlie Kaufman said there was some like uh, parallels with the with the movie. I mean, like the play uh, Oklahoma that he thought you know th- those kind of those kind of things. It's like I'm not as familiar with Oklahoma, so it's like yeah, neither am I. Not land for me, but that just seems like somebody who's. This is one of their later movies. They can afford themselves to be a little bit more like sure. Yeah. Uh, specific specific with uh trying to project their universality or whatever, however, they put it in this movie. Um, but yeah, I would like to do uh do some reviews if you uh don't mind if I jump into that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna just
0: if you want to read it, you yeah, can I'll uh go ahead and start. We'll start with the critics. If I can remind everyone, the critics are at an 82% and the audience is at a 49% uh, rating. And we'll start with some critics. This is uh, from Peter Travers, ABC News, not from Rolling Stone this time. Um, He says in this little blurb, one thing is for sure about Charlie Kaufman's mesmerizing mind bender That only seems to be a simple tale about a guy, Jesse Plemons, driving his girl, Jesse Buckley, home to meet the parents. You won't be able to stop talking about it. Um, I guess that's self-evident in how long we've talked about it in this podcast. Uh, So Peter Travers is right about that one. Um, I think we got Brandon returning to us for a very important important moment because I'm about to read. I just read uh, Peter Travers. You missed out on that one, but it's okay. I am about to read David Sims. Oh, from the the Atlantic, just as a little blurb. Uh, These are positive reviews uh, from the critics. He says, there's a weird thrill to getting lost inside this movie. Only so you can study every odd detail from new angles over and over again. I related with that quote because it being my second time watching, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of this. And, I'm not sure when I would have watched this movie again, but I, I, I sense that I would eventually do it. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen most Charlie Kaufman movies. I I've, the ones that I've liked, I think I've, man, they probably all of them like at least twice and you get definitely get something the next time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'll move on to uh A.O. Scott from the New York times. Uh, He says, she says, I don't know who AO is. Uh, they say, Plemons and especially Buckley play Plemons and especially Buckley play the somewhat abstract conundrum for real existential stakes either tricking you into caring about them or sincerely expressing the need to be cared about. Mm. That's speaking to their performances I I think right. more, more than anything at least that blurb um and if you're just perusing Ron Tomatoes you get some of these blurbs this is how you feel about the movie you're like oh the critics really like it okay Um, and then we'll Hmm. see how the audience has reacted to some of these, uh, like, you know, maybe I'll watch the movie based on the critics' recommendation. Um, another critic, Nick Shager. Oh, why don't I have, uh, who that's attributed to? I'm sorry about that, but I'll go ahead. It's a masterwork of unhinged tone, as well as a showcase for Buckley, whose grand performance covers an expansive stretch of emotional
1: terrain. Sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, she really leads this movie. She's really fantastic.
0: I think I would have been more upset about her kind of being supplanted from the protagonist role a little little bit if her performance wasn't so strong. Like her performance is so Mm -hmm. strong that it made such a mark that I'm like, no, she's like still like her own kind of thing within this movie. So strong, yeah. Um, Ty Burr from uh, Boston Globe. Like graphic artist Chris Ware, Kaufman is a meticulous master at capturing the beauty that lies in bleakness. He's our patron saint of desolate lives. Mm-hmm. You know the thing that critics are really good at? Jeez.
1: Yeah. Alliter- Making those
0: alliteration.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh, yeah, oh he's got yeah, the for me- sure.
0: Meticulous master and then he's uh-huh. got the beauty that lies in bleakness. Jesus The beauty that lies in bleakness. He's a true poet himself, that Tiber. He's very. Mm-hmm. I see him popping up all the time on these critics. Me reviews, too. So it's it's good to hear from him every now and then. Um, I got a few. If you can bear with me, I know we've, we're already going pretty long, but these audience reviews are pretty entertaining. I'm going to do like two or three, if you don't mind. But they're also yeah, kind of long.
2: Yeah,
0: <clears throat> if you don't mind. All right, I'm going to take a sip of water because some of these are pretty impassioned. <laughs> All right, because these people are upset. These people are upset about having watched this movie. Um, And I pulled from Google this time. It was interesting. These are from Google reviews. There's a bunch of them, and they don't like this. Uh, Finn Bingham, Google, from Google. A pretentiously bad review of a pretentiously bad movie. Anyone with more than two functioning cognitive neurons can write this film off as two hours one would pass with no neurons at all. Pushing the outer limits of every viewer's sanity, the fragmentary collision of events that lasts for over two hours, leaves said viewer desperately desiring two things. A normal scene, and for the film to end. And when it does finally end, it feels like an overly artsy high school skit that you don't appreciate, but feel like you should because it is utterly incoherent that there has to be something meaningful about, that, about it that you miss. Spoiler alert, there's not. Don't waste a second of your life or your precious neurons on this jumble of colors and noises. I, as a human being implore you to look elsewhere in the vast universe of Netflix for literally anything else to watch for. You will surely have spent your time better there. The 80% rating of this film is some kind of cosmic mishap in my eyes, a brutal and Epic misunderstanding of the same proportion as thinking frontal lobotomies are beneficial for mental illness. Maybe those who have high ratings should consider the operation as an alternative to propagating low quality entertainment on a mass scale. What these people see is not something that exists and others didn't see, but a collective figment of the imagination. Namely, a delusional sense of purpose found in the film. Jake and his girlfriend can toil in the vast realms of the ether for all I care. Instead of watch them do so, I'd prefer to have my eyeballs slowly chewed out by starved chipmunks. <laughs> Excuse oh my me while I farewell to two hours of my existence. Oh, jeez! That was the most critic sounding audience review yeah. I've heard. There was a lot of zingers there. That was that was epic. Um, I'm going to do one or two more if you don't mind. There's like a couple yeah, of these. I think that one was the longest one. If If that makes you feel any better, I won't, I won't go too far, but just I, the reviews had made me have a good time this, this week. Um, This is from Jacob Vaughn, Google. One star out of five, all of these. This is that all too rare movie where professional movie reviewers are so reluctant to say anything bad about a movie, knowing others will give it high reviews based on some of its qualities listed below reviewers from Boston globe Tiber and New York Times, uh, A.O. something, I forget who, both uh, reviews I mentioned in this podcast, are proud of movies that push boundaries, produce great cinematography, and induce a feeling of melancholy. And this movie fills all those qualities, so other reviewers join in, trying not to sound stupid or out of place, explaining the 86 Rotten Tomato score, no doubt. But it is absolutely, it's not that at the moment, I think it's like 82, but it is absolutely a terrible watch to anyone not a professional movie critic. Before you go on preaching this movie, have you analyzed why it does what it does in each scene and consider does this scene truly make sense slash further the plot slash give the audience something to take away? You might respond it doesn't have to. Or I'm not smart enough to grasp why why there's a dance recital between young Jake and a girl whose name keeps changing throughout the movie in the last high school scene. Or you might say I'm not observant enough to know what the smell is in the back of the ice cream parlor if it's not varnishing. I still don't, by the way. But I also ask you this. Couldn't a movie like I'm Thinking of Ending Things actually do what it was supposed to do and further a man's seemingly hopeless life as it wanes and not make a mockery of the audience watching a multitude of scenes that make no sense? Fair. These are all, like, really well... Uh totally the first one was a little uh facetious, of yeah. course, but uh. that one wasn't wasn't bad. Do you have do we have the energy for one one more? Two? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Let's see which one should I do? Let's let's do uh let's do this one. From Vicky Cravey, one star out of five from Google. I'm convinced the writer was influenced by a mind altering substance as he was writing. His thoughts appeared to be what is the most unlikely random event to take place next that would have no connection to the previous scene. (laughs) I can't imagine what the actors were thinking when they accepted the scripts. They aren't bad actors as far as their talents are concerned. And aside from the terrible script, they played their parts. Well, the only thing connecting me to the movie was the title. I'm thinking of ending things, but just like a bad relationship, I felt I had invested too much time into the movie to end it before seeing it through to the credits. Did I think it would pick up soon? Had I developed some sort of obligation to the movie? Or perhaps I was just too lazy to pick up the remote and find another movie. So I sit and I struggle and watch and nod off and wake up to the only scene that most likely makes this an R-rated movie. I wondered if during my very short nap, I missed the scene that would have made this a great movie Though I don't plan on watching those last five minutes, I feel I got more satisfaction out of the trailer than the movie itself. If you thoroughly enjoyed watching the trailer, don't ruin it by watching the movie.
1: Yikes. I
0: thought that was the indictment of all of like,
1: mm, yeah. just
0: watch the trailer.
1: <laughs> just watch the trailer. But that's,
0: I, that's like, I don't know, trailers can be very misleading. And I we watched that one before doing this podcast and it, yeah. Yeah, and it was. There was like a musical tone to it that was a little different. That seemed a little bit more thriller. Yeah,
1: I think people would have assumed more of um, a marriage story. Is that what it's called? The Adam yeah, Driver.
0: That's exact. I mean, I I was thinking, yeah. but I, the minute I found out it was Charlie Kaufman, I was like, oh, there's going to be something weird. But mm. yeah, I was I was thinking it was. Yeah, he would have assumed on the surface of yeah a relationship sort of thing between two people, not like this old janitor man going through a Jacob's ladder situation. I just really didn't expect that to happen. Um, but I would like to move on to, uh, final reviews and, uh, scores from, from each one of us. Uh, would you like to start great Brandini, Or would you like me to start?
1: I can start. Okay. I can start. um, This movie made me think about things in a way that I wouldn't have normally thought about uh, a movie. And I think there is something really commendable about that. And to Charlie Kaufman, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't like to be you. But the things that you are experiencing, (laughs) my God, are some of the realest shit that uh, could ever be. Um, This movie isn't really enjoyable. Um, but is it necessary? I would argue that it is. Uh, so. It's tough. It's like. It's like anything. What I would just say to anybody listening to this is that, you know, there are things in life where, you know, it is challenging. And whether or not that challenges what you deem necessary it's tough to say before you actually engage in it but there is a level of necessary conflict or things brought up in this movie that are worth exploring i do agree that it isn't really that enjoyable um so when you talk about it being a movie it's easy to shit on because you could potentially present these really heady concepts in a way that are more digestible, but the point is to get past the digestible, to get past the stereotypical, to get into the shit, get into what is the meaning of life. And I think at times it's really necessary to challenge yourself on things that are tough to. Really, to think about, tough to experience. Um, yeah. Fuck. It's. All the performances are great. I'm just try, like shifting gears a little bit to it being a movie. Uh, performances are wonderful. Dialogue is very intense and can be off putting for some. It can be confusing. But. Overall, it's an in-service of a message, and yeah, I don't know. Like, There's a part of me that wants to give it a really low score because it is, it, it's ineffective in bringing a lot of people to the message that it wants to, but it's really effective to getting you to think about the things that you are willing to think about in that type of audience. So... I don't know. I just this discussion has been really great. Like I it makes me love doing this podcast with you, James. It makes me great Hell watching yeah. this movie and talking about it. Absolutely. Like it's it's tough to not consider this movie somewhat important. So I'm gonna give this movie an eighty-five percent.
0: Uh to take to take it from there, yeah. It's I mean you uh you and I have in this discussion gone through some some personal things that yeah man this movie harvested out of us and that is totally. worthy of recognition um this is one that i was looking forward to watching a second time uh i was looking forward to seeing what i could uncover Another go around when I watched it the first time, there was no way that I was like, I'm going to be doing that soon. This is, (laughs) this has taken a toll on me. I need to let it sit with me for a bit. I did not really expect to be feeling this way when I put this movie on. I knew it was a Charlie Kaufman movie, but it was like, I think that claustrophobia when you're not expecting it was sort of, wow, this is, yeah, this is, um, engaging in a way that is also. And like embrace like constricting in, in a way where it's like just holding, holding you against a wall or something. And, and it's just like mm-hmm. making you face ideas about, uh, life existentially personal, uh, growth within the time that you're given as a human being. Um, the, uh, dark humor of it all as, as well as, the agency to work between the lines of, of your own head and what actual reality is, because that's something that I know that I feel like Charlie Kaufman struggles with a lot of just being outside his his own head. And that's even replicated in the movie as well. And all of these themes, like I relate with a lot, I was prepared the second go around it improved in my mind and elevated. Wow. when, When I, when I knew that twist and again, I, don't, I feel weird calling it a twist, but that reveal of what the situation is because it's the twist makes it seem like, and I know that's as a director, I don't think he was trying to make it build up to that. Just that thing. Cause it kind of, you kind of figure it out almost halfway through, but, um, knowing that I think I, I gained a lot out of it, even in the moments that I've expressed my criticisms of like his purposely obtuse writing. While it's still a benefit uh, to get the proposed feeling that he wants, it also detracts from the entertaining value of a movie. And as a movie, yeah, it's, it 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 arguably is a movie. Uh, you know, it's that is why I completely understand this being a polarizing movie. I'm glad we had this discussion. I think that's I think it's fascinating to have something where. I am not arguing against someone who dislikes this experience. And when you compare it to Elden Ring, even it's like, if you tell me you do not like Elden Ring, it's like,
1: it totally is get fine. It.
0: So you, yeah, it's like, and it's almost masochistic or something. Some of the stuff that yeah. you have to be put through to get, to come out on the other side and glean some sort of experiential sort of thing. But if for some, it's just not worth it. And it's, uh, downright, almost like just traumatic to to not traumatic. That's that's too that's too harsh of harsh of a word to express. Just watching a movie. I mean, it could be the the visual. It image. could be it could be the visual imagery. Yeah, I don't know. And like all the yeah. stuff of like uh, him and his parents and going yeah. in, in the relationships yeah. and and uh, the sense of loss. I don't know. Just really existential things and the conversations when they are having them, which is a lot, locks you in in a way that uh you're either in or you're out. And that is what is represented in the score. And for my score, I hate to go so I don't hate it, but it just makes me feel like I'm comping out to go so close to the critics. But I'm gonna do an 81. I know I know critics are 82, but like it's definitely in the 80s range. Like this is not your your best. Like I think a lot of Charlie Coffin movies, the one, and the ones that I really like, I mean Sending a die to do to Chody is also like fits the bill of like a worthwhile experience if you can stomach it, but also will like fuck you up. That movie and this movie will kind of fuck you up a bit. And if you're like looking to be fucked up by a movie a bit, you know th- this might be it. If you're looking to be entertained and and escapist a little bit more, then I would shy away from th- this a bit. So that's where like that. Half-hearted recommendation comes as like, I think you'll realize pretty quickly like whether you're into this or not this this movie. So you can kind of turn it off, and it's on Netflix. And if you're not into it, you you just move on move on to the next thing. And this podcast would not think of you any different for, it. and not that we do in any in, in any other movies. I, again, I try not to be that that way, otherwise turn gatekeepy like Jake in this movie or something. But like, uh, I thought it was an interesting experience to be like. To, like i like this movie a lot totally get it if you if you do not like it. yeah and i feel like charlie kaufman would echo that sentiment oh, would it? yeah I, he would totally the article that i read essentially his last quote was like either get it or you don't that's a, that's essentially what he said too so i will echo that sentiment um i think we had a time here on this podcast that uh will go down in the books i think yeah. we've uh i don't know It was a lot of good reflection in in this uh in this go yeah. around of of the polarized podcasts, and um, I'm happy that this movie elicited some of the the conversation that happened. That's what it's all about. I would like to, and or no, I'd like you to announce our next
1: movie. Sure. So it's been a long time coming. So we're gonna you know shift gears out of the contemporary and shift, uh, yeah, shift into the um the yeah past films uh we're gonna go back a a while um we're gonna be doing next the mechanic from 1972 1972 charles bronson movie
0: 33 critics 65 audience
1: yep so it's gonna be a wild ride and i'm ready for it we're bringing back should we uh, or should it just be a surprise? No, no. Well,
0: yeah. There might be a special guest that'll show up. Who knows from the past uh, from past yeah. uh podcast lore. Um Brandini, I'm gonna move on to some uh places that people can reach us if you yeah, please to. Polarizepod at Twitter. Polarizepod yep. at twitch.tv. You got polarize at gmail.com if you want to send us a line there request, review, uh, idea, anything that you, uh, you feel you want to share.
1: And yeah, I would just say too, like, if you are interested, if you are listening to this and you're interested in watching us live, uh, definitely follow us on Twitch because we are always live recording these podcasts. Every time, If you, if you want to know when those recordings are, cause like, I know that you know, we haven't been totally consistent. Um, Follow us on Twitter because uh, yeah, like I, I always post when we're doing it. Mm. I do usually do it before we go live um, and what have you. So yeah, just follow us on social uh, if you're interested in watching us do live recordings. And yeah, uh, again, if you, have any suggestions on movies or critiques about the podcasts? Email us. please do. Uh, next week we'll we will be
0: doing the mechanic. I'll go ahead and read a read a little synopsis because I'm not familiar with this movie. I'm not sure if many people have heard of it, so I think it might uh, might help some people. Arthur Bishop, played by Charles Bronson, is a veteran hitman who, owing his penchant for making his target's death seem like accidents, thinks himself an artist. It's made him very rich, but as he hits middle age, he's so depressed and lonely that he takes on one of his victim's sons, Steve McKenna, as his apprentice. Arthur puts him through a rigorous training period and brings him on several hits. As Steven improves, Arthur worries that he'll discover who killed his father. This movie is rated PG in 1972. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's that kind of like James Bond sort of stuff where it's all PG. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We'll we'll see you next week for the mechanic. Uh we love you all. Goodbye. We love y'all. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you.